I may not always love you. But long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. Uh, I, I don't remember if I shared the story exactly from GDC, but I, I felt it real important to do so because it, it literally happened the day we recorded. I'm still fucking flabbergasted by it, so uh, I, I'm going to share it because it's ridiculous. So it's, it's kind of been like the small talk of the town just because uh, apparently I'm the asshole for not knowing. Let's keep this in mind. I'm the asshole for not knowing, so I, I definitely need some third opinions here, uh, some third, pr- some outside perspective, if you will. So, uh, when we were in the city uh, Friday morning before arriving, the last day of GDC, uh, we decided to go have breakfast with our host, and uh, motherfucker takes us to this little shanty of a of a place called Arts Cafe. Now. I just want to explain when 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 I say this is a hole in the wall diner, like this is a fucking hole in the wall diner. As in, an RV probably has more roominess than this fucking place, and it just sinks into the goddamn building. Uh, you're kind of shuffled in and out of there like a bunch of convicts. So kind of like even the salad is fried. Pretty dude, like the menu's fucking like the whole thing was so uh, okay. So what I mean, this diner, it's it's just it it looks like shit. It looks like something that Jerry Seinfeld would make up in his worst nightmare. It, it I, it's just got like a bunch of fucking touristy photos under one of those plexi clovers on on the diner cu- counter or whatnot. I don't know it's it's just shitty, and you have to wait. It was, it's like a ten minute fucking wait. But he convinced us that the food was great, and ultimately we were going there for the prices because it was like an all-you-can-eat breakfast special for like fucking two fifty. So that's why people were lining up and whatnot. I wasn't in the mood for breakfast. I'm like, all right, I, I can spare some for Sean because Sean wanted breakfast and I wanted a burger. So I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, after ten minutes, we we got shuffled in like the fucking like the hobos uh, customers that we were the fucking vagrants that we were for wanting to eat at their establishment and uh as we are sitting down and getting seated we were handed the menu and you know maybe not not two minutes two to three minutes in uh you know the lady the the at the curio stand the fucking choreographer of this curio stand looks at me and is just like what you have order and I wasn't ready, and I was actually text messaging at the time. Out of nowhere, this bitch is just like, and, and fucking slaps my phone out of my hand. Awesome. <laughs> slaps the fucking phone out of my hand. I'm just like, what? And he's like, what you have order? And, and I just, dude, I just stammered a fucking burger. I want a burger. I ordered a burger. And and then our host had the gall. I mean the the fucking gall. After I'm I'm furious. I'm like, dude, I want to leave. This this fucking woman just slapped my phone out of my hand, meaning she fucking hit me. I I want to leave. They're like, no, dude. I come here all the time. Don't make a scene. What? 
What do you mean? I'm not the one making a scene. The bitch hit me. And that's not the worst part. We went there for the prices, but he convinced me to fucking tip this woman. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm not tipping her. And he's just like, no, dude, I come here all the time. If I bring you here, you're going to tip her. Motherfucker, I didn't want to eat here. You wanted to eat here. You told me I would have an amazing experience. So far, this bitch chun lead my fucking phone out of my hand or eat Honda or whatever fucking, like, offensive stereotype that I can throw out there just because she was a bitch. That sucked. It was terrible. I'm just so fucking, I'm still miffed about it. Not I, only t- what type of phone per- did you have? Oh, well, I've got my shitty phone. It's my iPhone 3GS. Well, maybe she's more of an Android person. Yeah, she might have said, like, no, fuck that. Droid does better, whatever the commercial says. <laughs> but, no, honestly, okay, I wouldn't have... Okay, no. I would have tipped her because I'm weak. You, 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 you peer pressure <laughs> she, me into anything, I'll, I'll do it. I'm like, oh, she looks kind of upset. I better tip her. I, I'm going to give her 20%. Well, you don't want to risk her falling out to your car. No, I yeah. took the fucking... I took the money out of Nick's wallet right after we left, and he said, you ever do that to me again, I'm... Fucking breaking your pencil neck ankles. The phone thing, though, I would have totally done that too. If I if I if I was able to working in retail, if I had the ability to slap someone's phone out of their ear when they were talking while I was trying to ring them out, I would do it every single time. Every single time. I wasn't, I wasn't talking on the phone. I was text messaging for crying out loud. It's the same though. No, it is. I think it is personally. My God damn! It's no. I'm a customer. You don't. You don't. <laughs> Your that's the thing that's the thing yeah I, I i wouldn't be allowed to and i don't do that but if i could oh if i could oh amazing i, I say what's your number i would call them and say get off the fucking phone i don't think it's hurt their business any so it did it that's oh you guys yeah. are taking arts cafe side and i don't it, it, like it it's like one of those it, restaurants that you go to where they make fun of you but it's all part of the thing you yeah know? like it's part of the charm of it but in this case it's you know oriental ladies hitting your phone out of your hand no, right. well, the, the, dude, the thing that irritates me the most is that this woman is essentially running a real-life soup Nazi regime, and people are falling in line with it. Like, she treated everybody like garbage in there. And it's they, pretty refreshing, they, actually. No! No, it's I'm not! I'm sorry. I, I think it is. <laughs> it was a t- dude, and, like, Sean's like, I'm fucking angry with our host, Nick. I'm I'm miffed, and Sean's just like that scared kid in the backseat of a car when parents are arguing, and he's just like, oh, these eggs are good, though. And I'm just like, no! I, no! Fuck your eggs! Fuck this whole thing! Still better than EA, though. Oh, come oh, on. No. Oh, God <laughs> damn it! And surprised was no one. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, we're starting the show. Fuck you guys. Good idea, good idea. <laughs> Welcome to Press Pods Radio. Welcome to the Walking Dead Survival Instinct spoiler cast. No, no. (laughs) The Aliens Colonial Marines spoiler cast. Spoilers, they're awful. Let them them get it out. Let them get it out. 
There's uh, gotta be another one in there. What's another bad game? Atelier um, Tor Tori. No, 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 you oh. knock it the fuck off. All right, that's where I draw the line. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Press Watch Radio Bioshock Infinite Games Club podcast. In extravaganza, extravaganza indeed. And spoilers are a fucking abound. Tournament edition. Hyper <laughs> fighting remix. No, on fire. <laughs> oh, fire. Mm-hmm. Um. With us this fine evening, we we have a myriad of hosts, of course. Uh, yours truly, Georgie Boy Zach's, then my handsome compatriot, Andrew Toast. I eat hot dogs out of the trash can. There you go. I hey. I eat hot dogs off of corpses. I eat open okay. open cans of beans that have been sitting there for who knows how long. Mm. Mm, I, I think the cans of beans are a little bit more forgivable. They're in a can, but they're open. But- well, oh, you but, find them in a mailbox. I mean. Well, yeah, but okay, hold on. Is on it bodies. is it implicit that they're already open, or do you open them? If you find one that's actually in the environment, it is open. The skyhook also doubles as a yeah. can opener. Yeah, that's dude, that's say. the logic I apply. That the skyhook mm-hmm. is a can opener. It is kind of a catch-all tool. Yeah, because I've never actually seen a physical representation of uh, cans that I ate. And therefore, I can't determine whether or not they're open. Like, I'll see cotton candy, and it looks fresh. I'll see hot dogs. They look fresh. Uh, popcorn. It looks fresh. Cans. It's a bit ambiguous. They just show up in drawers and shit. So I can only imagine they're canned, and I open them for sustenance. It's probably the, I don't know, it's probably the most uh, kosher thing to eat. The, the most cleanly, I would assume. I'm eating salt like a motherfucker. Yup. Yeah. Just licking it like a... What licks salt? Is it a horse? Horses lick salt, don't they? Horses, deer. Deer, yeah. Deer sounds good, like a deer. Mm. <laughs> gotta get that sirloin. Tastes, oh, we got good. We got yeah. we got our uh, our lovable fucking badass, James. He's on the show. Yay, yeah, I'm on. BA. Hey. Bird. Furthest <laughs> thing from that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's No, like... actually, that, that'd probably be me if someone said that was badass. I'm like, yep, as long as my wife's not around. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, wait. I kind of want to know what she would have done in that situation had her phone gotten slapped out of her fucking hand. Or yours, if she was there. I, I wouldn't have wanted to be around. She's very scary when she's upset and mad. I'd imagine. I, she probably would have started, like, lecturing them, honestly. It would have been a homicide. <laughs> eh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. You she, tell she, her. You... She was from the streets. The streets. Screets. Uh, you tell oh. her my story. I will. I'll, I'll get some feedback, sympathy. and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I want some sympathy, goddammit. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Her only response to be, what's the bitch's name? <laughs> oh, man. And then we got our guest, our, our lovely, nice little guest. We got Matt. His name hey. is Matt. new, though. He's never been on the show before. Hi, new Matt. Hi there. That's it's new and improved Matt. Yep. Yeah, we got rid of old Matt. Oh, yeah. I'm, Good point. I'm improved in every way. We Not traded... You- Traded old Matt in a Best Buy and got the Matt Collector's Edition. So we got the new Matt. He's got Damn a straight. He's got, got a, a sultry, statue. sultry voice, more more possibly uh, polished personality. Um, let's yes, see. He's that got, I have. He's got. Say, this honestly might be the most modest I've ever heard you before, Matt. Really? Well, my voice carries through roles pretty readily, so I'm actually trying to keep it low. So that way I don't, oh. like, blow out somebody's fucking speakers or, like, tear the audio or something. The show's still still early on, though. Well, I'm sure ah, we'll get to that uh-huh. eventually. Tear it's the like audio. How I, 
<laughs> it's exactly how I talk on the phone. You know, I'll scream and yell. It's like immediately as I get on the phone, I'm trying to seduce you somehow. Hey, hey, it's hey. working. Hey, you call about my pizza? Yeah, it'll be. That's fine. That's fine. It's yeah, free. It's... <laughs> God damn. Hey, uh, there was a pun that kind of was sauced through without Sarah being around. I'm uh, Terry. Yeah. The, Put it on the, Facebook. I, I'm I, sure I, he'll get to it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, I, I was going to keep making shitty Best Buy jokes, but uh, we we ain't got time for that. So nope. All the Bioshocks. Yeah, all, all, the, all of them. Ain't nobody so, got time for that. Ain't nobody. So, Bioshocks. yeah, so Ken Levine, he's a bastard, man. Like, fucking <laughs> him and Irrational uh, have come together, and they have delivered quite a, quite a sultry deep and sensuous experience in Bioshock Infinite in, in so many more ways than, than you know one could imagine. And we all had the chance to sit down and play it. Uh, I immediately jumped in myself the moment I returned home from GDC, finishing up work that I still need to finish up. <laughs> Funny enough, um, I have our review copies of Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate and Gears of War Judgment that need to be played and written. <laughs> I got them during GDC. So, uh, yeah. Did, did, did anybody review Try? Monster Hunter Try? No, but I'm uh, reviewing oh, did, uh, Ultimate. I know, copy and, I, I, I copy and paste. <laughs> I was thinking about that, but unfortunately, no, I, I got to play it. But uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, I'll, we'll get to that in the next um, non-Bioshock podcast. But yeah, I've been, I've been <laughs> fucking keeping busy. I don't know about you guys. You guys got a head start. In fact... Uh, Andrew got to talk a little bit about it uh, on a GDC podcast because we were at GDC and he was not. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I liked it. Oh, I think I think we all Spo- did. Spoiler yeah. alert on this, guys. Bioshock's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this may it's, blow your mind. It's but not bad. And it's pretty it good. It might, pretty all right. It might be worth conversating about. It, it, you, may, you may want to sit down and talk about it with your family. Yeah, I I fully agree. It's almost perfect, even almost. It's one of those games where like you would start a fire in a fireplace, gather your grandchildren around the TV. It's like let let's watch me play this, and we'll have a story time right now. That sounds actually pretty amazing. I should do that. I should. Get and my... that sounds That's like neglectful parenting, but all, all effective, most the same. Well, you I mean, should... I'd probably be drunk while I'm playing it, so I mean, you it's probably fun. kidnap a bunch of kids, Andy, and tell them the story of Bioshock. I'm thinking about it. I'm bettering yeah. your lives, you little bastards. Cool. So let's let's go ahead and start talking about the game before we end up on Fox News. Yeah. If it hasn't started already with the violence, ooh, spooky. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I okay. It's, <laughs> violence. it's it's jarringly violent. Very at times, especially oh, when yeah. you do any sort of kills with the fucking skyhook. I think that's oh, the that's... only time it gets violent. To be that completely really, honest, really is. It's only jarringly violent when you do an up close and personal kill with a skyhook and literally tear someone's face off. Yeah, no, that's that's probably the most gruesome uh, execution. Which <laughs> it like the skyhook will literally twist and and their face like it, it kind of looks like a cartoon at first, <laughs> and then you realize it really doesn't because you just slowly see 
face muscles, tendons, and otherwise mm-hmm. brains and eyes and tongue and, and whatever. Right yeah. yeah, and whatever fr- frontal lobe and cerebral <laughs> matter. Just I, like, I, I love the fact that whenever you do those kills, Elizabeth always goes, ugh. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think the other one though, like uh, the like subtly more gruesome one, is the slow fucking neck break, man. Like it's yeah, it, it's, it's good. Like a, that's like the Texas Chainsaw neck break. That's what I've dubbed it because it's I, slow enough. I I just get so much satisfaction when I do a chain lightning, and I don't have to shoot them. I just wait for their head to pop. I'm like, yep, there it is. Right. Awesome. So yeah, that's another thing. I wasn't really able to figure out a lot of the chains. They're very oh. subtle. Oh, man. Well, okay, okay. I agree. Now, the chain that I'm referencing to is um, you get gear that actually lets you, uh, when you use a vigor, you can chain. Like, like if you hit an enemy, it'll, it'll link to the enemy closest to him and so on and so forth. Um, but I know what you're saying, like how you can combine vigors to, like, have new attacks and things like that. Well, no. So, for example, there's a, it, it's, it's almost like fucking Street Fighter, uh, funny enough. So, here's a combination I did figure out. So, um, Bucking Bronco... And you have to have both vigors leveled. Bucking Bronco, uh, Shock Jockey, Chained, Shotgun. That's, like, guaranteed fucking kills. Like, if you're able to, like, get at least a group of six, that combination alone will kill probably, like, without trying, five out of six. Most of the time, it kills all six of them. There's there's a really weird one. If you have the burning melee gear attached... And you bucking Bronco, and you jump up and you melee them. They turn into fucking grenades and they explode and oh, hurt cool. everything around Dude. them. That's awesome. See, I never even experimented or played with any of that stuff. But well, it's because it's so ambiguous. Like they don't like there's they not don't, even they don't put out there. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's alluded upon. So just this is really kind of off topic, but I just wanted to make this point before I forget. Have you noticed that maybe not so much in Bioshock Two, but in Bioshock One, someone actually brought this up to me today. Um, like when you upgrade your weapons, there was like aesthetically, like things would change on your weapon. Like you'd like strap something onto the side or attach something or, you know, put a scope on it or whatever. And like, they don't do that at all in the weapons in this one. No, no. I'm kind of sad they didn't, you know, I kind of wish. And then, you know, and also the fact that the weapons you have in this one don't have three different kinds of ammunition. No, neither. There's there's, there's regular, there's explosive, anti, you know, whatever. Like they they didn't do any of that, which, you know, I, I kind of missed, but I guess you really didn't need it. But there, well, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't even really notice until you just pointed that out. It's like, yeah, I, someone, someone brought up today. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I noticed it because when I was making making my way through the game and the combat and everything, I I, I prefer the combat in Bioshock One to Bioshock Infinite. To be completely honest with you, because I love the big daddies in Bioshock, the fact that they're like little puzzles that roam around the map. He's Infinite. got a point because I will say this, and let's all be honest with each other. How many times did we honestly implement vigor legitimately into our into our combat? It's like plasmids were a bit organic, like they they had this seamless place to where, for example, uh, things were explained in Bioshock were alluded upon to where you got more of a response. Had you shocked somebody with a plasmid and then fucking nailed them in the head with a wrench, you got like a very visual response to what you did. As to where we're talking about combinations that really just kind of apply hit or miss. And even then, as far as the uh, health, that's another thing, too. Like, the uh, the actual indicators of, uh, of enemy health were much I more... I love that. Borderlands style. Yeah, they're, they're just... They're very much like... Well, I didn't do the numbers. I did the meter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but, I know. You could change that. 
Yeah. I, oh. I did meter because the numbers were just fucking jarring. I hated I the loved numbers. It. I loved no. it. But like the meters themselves, because like in Bioshock, they had this arch and they just surrounded the, over the enemy. While as an infinite, they're just smaller ribbon like uh, meters. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I just didn't I didn't like it. Um, I didn't know you could change that. though. That's, that's interesting. I'm so happy you can change that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is this the combat in Infinite is very gun heavy compared to Bioshock One. It really Bioshock is. Yeah. It's super gun heavy, and it, that's why they gave you the shield, and why at times the 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 combat feels very blah throughout most of the game. Well, see, and that's the thing. I feel like the combat wins in in certain moments when when the set pieces are are dynamically constructed around it. See, yeah, when. Be- when you got a skyline like, yeah. and you're and you're hitting vigors and and everything is kind of like and, falling into place. Yeah, right? like it's so, yeah, Soldier's Field was like that. Yeah, when you first like get to really use the sky hooks. I was like being really acrobatic about it and everything. But no, I agree. Like the vigors were pretty much just a means to an end, like to get somebody out of cover or just just stun them. But I almost never used them to kill anybody. I mean, they could. One of the more disappointing vigors, for example, was uh, Devil's Kiss. And a very even even powered up man that it did hardly any damage and yet had way too much of a salt cost. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly enough, the best vigor, as far as the best vigor that I the three top vigors that I, I uh, switched between were either Bucking Bronco just for the, cla- uh, the like the crowd clearing alone, yeah. uh, Murder of Crows because not only did it help kill a lot of dudes. But it also, again, allowed me to do some crowd cleaning uh, with damage involved. Like, I don't know. I, I really like Murder of Crows because it worked effectively on almost everything but the actual crow-themed enemies. Right. Uh, it's just horrifying anyway. Yeah. And it, it's got that, that. Did you guys like the. T- well, they kind of did that with Bioshock, all the Bioshocks. But I feel like it's, uh, it's a lot more apparent in Infinite. All the uh, different uh, visual effects that, that basically happen with Booker when he has a certain vigor equipped. On yeah. his left hand, that was always yeah. really nice. Claws popping out of his hand, and shit. Um, but I was going somewhere with this. Uh, Return from Sender is honestly one of the most underrated vigors in that entire arsenal because it, it's just, especially later on when when you're encountering like larger mobs, it's nearly invaluable because you could turn it into a trap, or what you can do is you can um. You can put it as a trap, and then you can undertow, which I, I feel like undertow is almost worthless. Like, that's yeah, possibly... Yeah, the, the The one part that was really useful, that's another Vigor combination I, I learned of, is if you set uh, a return from sender trap, and then you do a pullback, because that's the thing with undertow that a lot of people, like... Uh, use it for, is it basically gives you this tentacle that's able to pull enemies towards you. If you pull an enemy uh, into the return from sender, it would ricochet like a pinball into every enemy nearby. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, That's again, cool. it's just, it's Irene, I really neat in the fact that you have to explore all of these options, but even, even on easier difficulties, I don't feel like the enemies, they're so aggressive that I don't feel like it, the game really gives you the leg room to, to explore, uh, to experiment like that. Return to Sender is invaluable in 1999 mode because it's the only way to really get through a handyman encounter. A handyman encounter is damn near impossible without Return Handymen were quite possibly one of the more disappointing factors of the game. I was actually, I remember it was always something that me and Andrew, and then when James came on, we, we always talked about in excitement, like, you know, this is, this is the newest Big Daddy. And, you know, to be honest, 
they, I, I'm really happy that one, their encounters were infrequent, and two, that their encounters were infrequent because they are so aggressive that it's it's more of a chore to fight these fucking bastards. In fact, a nine times out of ten, and I mean with anybody that I talk with, like as far as regardless of the difficulty, I mean most of us played it on hard. I'm assuming, right? In fact, what what difficulty did we all play it on? Not hard. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> we we talking about who you're talking well, to. I know Toast is monkey mode, so we'll this go guy. ahead. This so guy, we'll go man. ahead and set him to the left. But I'm assuming James is playing on hard. Well, I played my first playthrough on normal for the story more than anything, and then I jumped into my second playthrough was 99 mode. Oh, wow. no, I, I I went all out and hard. Maybe that's why I hate the part that we'll talk about later more than everybody else did. Because I, I, I kind of had to lame through it, but I got through it. That's and on the shit. Uh, funny enough, that's the only time I super died. Like I super fucking died. Like I lost all my money during that whole segment. So, uh, which is uh, that's another funny thing we can touch on. But um, yeah, the handymen are another thing too. Other than that part, uh, essentially, uh, you can actually, if you die enough against the handyman, they'll just disappear. They won't even be a part of the enemy knob anymore. And most people had to do that just because they they were like the Hulk. They jumped behind you. They jumped around you. They ran at you. They gave you little to no breathing room. And even when you had like that that last respite, that fucking sanctuary that was the skyhook, they jump up and electrocute the skyline. So you have to pay attention to that too. And ironically enough, that's like the only part, that, the only, only time that they're vulnerable because they'll hang there like kids off of a fucking monkey bar. And that's when you can wail on them. But yeah, yeah they... And there's a fucking achievement for killing those things by shooting them only in the heart. That sounds fucking yeah. impossible. Somebody's got it. Shoot. Somebody got it. On, on my Raptor friends list, he's gotten every single achievement in Bioshock. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh-uh. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm still kind of marveled at that. But he's, he's just, he's always in your face. I think more than anything, he kind of insults your character, too, because he's generally whining the whole time, telling you to go away! I don't want this! As he fucking bashes your brains in. So, I don't know. Anybody else other than me and James hate on the handyman? I actually didn't have a whole lot of trouble with him, and then I haven't gotten to one yet in uh, 1999 mode. I I almost never had a problem with him, honestly. I mean, just the initial panic, and then... Meh. Yeah, so. I, I think once they first get like close to you, you're like, oh shit, oh shit. But then if you can make distance, you just say, I mean, like, like I was telling George, I'm pretty sure every time you encounter a handyman, there's skylines. No. So I. Not no. every time, no. Not there's every time. One, uh, like, so. Big uh, Ten, you can't, there's yep. not one. Yeah. There you go. Perfect example. There's, Which uh, one was it? Fink Town. W- when you're in Fink Town, uh, going to Fink yeah. Industries. Yeah, that, right okay. the, uh, yeah. Right that's actually shot. that's actually I think your first handyman encounter. It yep. is. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is it's when it's it's not even when they run up on you. Is that you can turn around and run and sprint, and they'll like incredible Hulk jump right in front of you. They jump mm-hmm. madly. Yeah. Like that's not even when you're like you have distance. They they just jump like assholes. There's there's no way to really get a beat on them. So I don't know, like. The big daddies, they were aggressive and they did charge at you, but generally the, the set pieces were designed in such a manner 
that you could you can work around them and not only that there were types of big daddies so you knew what was more effective against the others if anything right. i feel like the spiritual successor to the big daddy were the patriots until there was they're really they have like a very binary tactic and then slowly but surely they're they became way less menacing and just annoying be like all right i could take these assholes out right yeah but um yeah i, I don't know like a lot of the enemies um i mean there were <laughs> The, the splicers and all the other stuff that you encounter from previous Bioshocks were a bit more memorable this time around. I mean, there are the flak jacket rocketers, the uh, flak jacket fire users from the uh, Devil's Kiss vigor, the crow users, which didn't show up that much, but when they did, they were annoying. Uh, those those guys, I, I actually enjoyed fighting because I felt like they were the most responsive to vigors. Um, I don't know. And, and that means like any vigor. Like, I could shock jockey that those enemies and they got there was a response to to them being victim to it um i'm trying to remember of other enemies if you guys can help me out kind of that, that, that's that's pretty much it that, did you guys already hit the, the motorized patriots well yeah we the patriots oh, okay. of course which you know yeah. those are pretty fun i i, I will say that they're pretty aggressive like all the enemies are just really aggressive like all of them run at you there's not any like I don't know, it, like, you know how, like, uh, the the aggressive splicers will, like, run at you and jump and tag you with a melee attack and then jump back? Every enemy does that. Like, others kind of, like, run and kind of initiate gunfights with you. Every, every enemy you encounter is just, like, they run up on you if they get the chance. It's not until you actually take behind some cover that, that they kind of, you know, take to gunplay. But there, even then, there's going to be some brave dudes that just run up on you with some fucking beat sticks. Um, and, they, and they flank like crazy. They're super accurate. You poke your head up out of cover and you pretty much get shot instantly. Yeah. The like, combat is the, well, not the worst combat I've ever played. I mean, but it is the worst part of the game. I See, I don't know if I can honestly say that because I really, I really, because like the only points of which I had issues with were honestly the, uh, the handyman and Lady Comstock, which we'll get to later on when we, when you start going through the paces, but I mean it, it felt rewarding. Like the the skyline, like I, I think that's a thing too. Like when you when you play on hard, a lot of the skyline stuff gets fleshed out. But I think I've only hit a dude once off of a skyline that was coming at me, uh, once. So I I don't like enemies. I, I felt like I was uh I kind of like stood my ground and didn't move around as much so i didn't really get to uh shoot too many enemies off of skylines i only shot one off of a skyline and hit one off of a skyline that's it till then like you just kind of get like overwhelmed so i don't know yeah i'm not saying it, it, it's just bad combat i mean the combat's fine it, it's average and it, it has moments where it is very very fun and very rewarding but it is it is the weakest aspect of this entire game i think another thing too you were given more options and this is like the first time that you're kind of stripped down. I mean, even with a, I mean, you have the vigor wheel, but you only have two guns that you're able to equip at all times, which is like incredibly, I don't know that, that took a lot for me to get used to. And it really put a lot of emphasis on what I chose to carry with me. Um, what were your guys' guns of choice? I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious to hear that. Shotgun and hand cannon. Really? I yeah. hear a lot of hand cannons. Yeah, I always hear that. Hand, hand, um, that's how I took down Lee Comstock. Like, I know you're gonna complain about her later, but honestly, all I did was just stand directly under her and just nail her like several times with a hand cannon, and 
that was done. The hand cannon is the only weapon that does any damage to her of significant value. Everything else Pretty is... Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the hand cannon is probably the best gun in the game. Um, I actually started to enjoy the volley gun. Oh, much. the volley gun's really good. I really like that. The yeah, it took, that took me some time, but yeah, that was fun. Um, I actually, funny enough, uh, my main weapon of choice was the carbine. That when you level that thing up, dude, like two shots near the uh, torso, and like you take out most enemies. I mean, most. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. hand cannon was so infrequent in my encounters that I didn't deem it uh worthy. I just. I, you know, and funny enough, I wanted to kind of touch on what Andrew talked about with the varying um, ammo. They kind of did that, but they actually changed the entire gun. So, like, there's the burst, there's like the shotgun, and then there's the heater, and then there's the volley gun, and then there's the hail fire. Which it was is basically, funny. it was basically like the founder's version and the Vox popularized version. Yeah, yeah, like the machine gun and the repeater. Yeah. Okay, see, the repeater, I felt like, completely operated differently than the machine gun. Because it, fire, it, it fires a lot slower. Yeah. yeah. I guess it hits a lot harder. I don't know. I didn't well, use it very often. But, like, the heater, the heater is not only, it, I mean, it, it takes a longer, like, there's a, a, a longer burn time between reloads and whatnot. But, I mean, the heater is much more powerful than the shotgun, but operates very similarly. And then there's the hail fire. Which is essentially a volley gun, but like your ammo is fucking on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, didn't come through too often. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like I don't know, it's it's just really funny that as as James mentioned, like there's a huge emphasis on gunplay, and yet a much larger restriction on uh, on what you can do as opposed to the originals. I, I honestly feel like sniper rifle was my number one choice and also the best weapon in that game only because you could never use a sniper in any of the previous Bioshock games because you're enclosed. It's, you know, kind of like, you know, close distance now that you're wide open in Columbia and you can actually get to, you know, draw distance between you and the enemy. Also the fact you had like the different kind of uh, uh, like airships that would fly around, like all these different moments where there's a lot of distance and they would actually come to you. Sniper rifle was just, invaluable the entire time and the thing i liked most about it is you know it, it just it felt satisfying like once you leveled it up which i did very early on in the game didn't really matter where i hit like they were dead but if i got yep. a headshot you got that the actual animation of like a headshot and it was so satisfying to see um but yeah i love 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 the sniper rifle i would use it almost primarily only if they got in close then i would switch to shotgun and shotgun same thing I did in Bioshock 1. Like, I was a surgeon with that thing when they got up close. And it still felt just as good as it did in the first game. I Like I said, I just wish that, you know, as I leveled up, uh, it would cosmetically change. But I'm very picky about that kind of stuff. Like, I, I like to see the change and see, like, you know, upgrades and cool things. But, you know, I had the season pass. So I had the golden skins. I was like, ooh, shiny. So it didn't <laughs> really matter. I had that either way. <laughs> um, Funny enough that you mentioned that. So... I mean, I'll just throw it out right now. I'm sure we'll get to it later when we hit that narratively. But uh, with the Comstock, since it was mentioned, uh, both the first two encounters of Lady Comstock, I primarily uh, operated between Carbine and Machine Gun because I felt like those are the only ones that kind of did damage. Uh, And plus, I can do it from a distance. The third encounter, though, with her outside of the Comstock uh, house is uh, I was able to basically find a tactic to where, uh, you know where the vending machines are at? Around that uh, alley nook 
further away from just the... Just go back uh, there and hide? <laughs> I just went back there, hid with a sniper rifle, and just took her out with a sniper yeah, rifle. I did the same thing. I would, I would like, go in, I would use a shock jockey and chain it to kill the enemies and take them out real quick, and as she was rezzing them, like, you know, bringing them back, then I'd just lay there and just, just take her out, just, you know, pop off shots. Yeah, at one point, like, she was very close to dying, and it was like the game was kind of giving me a, a gimme, because she got hung up on some architecture of the game and just didn't move. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to fucking shoot your corporeal brains out. I and, had to uh, game the fuck out of her in fucking 1999 mode. I found this gear where if you pick up a weapon, whatever weapon you drop just hovers in the air and shoots automatically. And I just hid behind cover and just kept dropping weapons and summoning the mosquito. That was the only way, because if I popped out at all, it was almost instant death. Oh, God. Yeah, thank you for... Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I had to also summon the mosquito a lot. Uh, you know what? I've kind of, I, I feel like 1999 mode, I can only imagine, can't be that much worse than hard mode, because hard mode was pretty fucking true to its name. So, well, now that we've kind of... Oh, did anybody really use Skyhook Melee a lot? I'm just kind of curious for that too. I Not did really. actually. I, I, I used didn't. it a lot. And and well, I because see, it was almost useless in hard mode. I can only imagine how useless it would be in 1999 mode because I haven't even like you given the opportunity to use it yet. Because generally, if enemies get that close, I'm dead. Um, but yeah, it it took at least cool five beats to six beats to the dome. And then, like, other than the vigor combinations that gave me the execution uh, prompt, yeah, I didn't really get to use it a lot. So I'm just curious, being as you guys played it on normal initially, if there was any, like, real strong resonance with it. The the, the best thing about it is um, in the Lady Comstock fights, if you add on the burning gear to where you melee and burn, you, if, you, you, if you incinerate the people she reses, she can't re-res them. And that's, that's like, the easiest way to, to at least whittle really? her down. Yeah. Um, cause even if you pop off their head or something, they can, she can still res them with a new head, but if they're incinerated, she can't res them. That's something I have not heard before. It's crazy. I'll have to remember that for 99 mode. Um, let's go ahead and get on to the real meat of the game. Let's talk about the narrative. Cause now we've all kind of talked about the way we played it. And funny enough, we're all, I, I don't know. I'm not meh over the combat. I'm just... I'm underwhelmed by it. I wanted it to be better than Bioshock's combat. And I feel like it's just under the par, weirdly enough. And you know what? I'm going to kind of go this way, too. I really feel like a lot of it has to do with the Vigors. Like, they're just really... I don't feel like... There's three really imaginative ones, and then the rest don't don't really hold up. Well, and, and I, I almost a little skewed on it because, like, right after I finished Bioshock, like, the day after, literally, I picked up and started playing Tomb Raider, whose combat is a hell of a lot more satisfying to me for some strange reason. No, I agree. And, I agree. And it just, like, kind of soured me on the combat. I mean, I started to like the combat a little bit more in 99 mode because it's more tactical. You almost have to use Vigors uh, in order to stun people a lot more. But, but it just in comparison to other games, I think the combat is just really weak. And that's why I think it's the weakest part. I mean, other, I mean, the combat is really weak, and I still give the game a fucking five. So, so I mean, that that just that just show, show, goes to show you how good the rest of the game is. Right. I, I will say this, um, you know, uh, 
Well, we'll we'll get to that right now when we talk about the narrative. But uh, in, in terms of the one thing that I, I you know, and another underused part, like, uh, did anybody really use the traps? I I did initially when I realized that you could, and then just stopped using them altogether. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a shame because I thought it was because it reminded me of two a lot. You know, I was like, oh, cool, you can set up these traps and they run into it. You know, like you did in two when you had to set, you know. The, the parameter, you know, like guard it, you know, so they didn't get the, the little sister. Except, I was like, oh, cool, they're bringing that back, and I'm going to use that a lot in combat, and then I never touched it. Yeah, but I, see, it, uh, two made use of it. They really I, did, I, yeah. And I, I guess in this, they they probably could, but you're just... That's the thing I like about the combat. Like, it may be not as strong or maybe not as needed in the game. Like, I think Bioshock, and especially Bioshock 2, you need the combat. I think in Infinite you could probably just do away with the combat altogether and you would still have an enjoyable game. If anything, that's why I would want out of the game. I would just not want to do any combat whatsoever. Just let me walk around Columbia and talk to people and explore this, you know, this world. But when they do the combat, it did feel varied enough. And it felt different enough that if I wanted to go through and play it again with a completely different setup, cause you get used to your favorites, you know, your favorite vigors, your favorite weapons. If I wanted to challenge myself to do strictly just one weapon and one vigor, like I think it totally changes the the combat for me. Like it changes way, how I do things and how I approach each battle. And I, I think it's it's not as strong, but I think they do give you enough options, which I well, think it, was really cool. What you can do, I mean, you, you can do this to work towards an achievement as well. There's an achievement for not purchasing anything out of the dollar bill, um, vending machines. So you go through the entire game on 99 mode without purchasing anything from the dollar bill machine, which means whenever you run out of ammo, you have to pick up another gun. So you can only scavenge shit. It makes the combat very a little bit more dynamic because you're constantly changing guns. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, and I yeah. feel like normally you don't really have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but not yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and <laughs> we were kind of just it kind of spun away from traps. But overall, gotcha. I, I think we just uh, I think we've kind of expressed our combat. I think Matt did want to add in a point though. Oh, uh, the traps! I just didn't use I. I didn't use those really until the very end when that last battle just becomes like this massive clusterfuck. And you're just kind of like, okay, I need to lay that, something down to slow it down just a tiny, tiny bit. That would be a good time bit. to use it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about that. I, yeah, I totally forgot. But until that point, I had like, forgotten that they were really yeah. useful. And it's just like, uh, okay, what trap works when and how? And I was just like, uh, crap. That, that part was kind of ruined for me by a bug. And I got through oh. it. No, well, see, what happened is there's this last wave. Except uh, I couldn't find it because they just got stuck and didn't move. Uh, so, like, the Patriots just shot straight forward, didn't move. So I took them out. And then, and this is at the very front of the bow of that Zeppelin, which, uh, again, we're jumping around, but this is in context to the combat we've been talking about. Um, yeah, there's four dudes in rooms that you can't enter. Like, you, there's no physical way I could enter these rooms. However, I could shoot inside of. And I just stood there waiting to take bullets. So I eventually did that, and I had to do that four times. Then I was given the prompt to uh, approach Elizabeth. So that part got super ruined for me because I went and I'm just like, I know this is a bug, but I just want to get through this. And then I watched like some of the fights that people did online. I'm like, I almost kind of want to go back and like not, you know, have that happen, but. It I don't know it's whatever. I I mean, you know we're we're, we're all here now so fuck it it was done yeah. what's done is done, yep. as it will Good be happens. done as it's forever gonna be done. Foreshadowing. 
Um, so, yeah, Wait. let's go ahead and let's get to the narrative. it fucking starts all over from a lighthouse again how yeah, many <laughs> I, I i thought that was fitting i i almost that, thought yeah. that they were gonna just right away reference it you know but it was it was cool and i and it does definitely foreshadow a lot of things to come mm. but it's fitting you know I, I guess that's just i i dug it it was a, it was a nice subtle homage made you feel familiar with what your surroundings were <laughs> yeah and then, You're like, oh, okay, we're starting this off again. Nice. Looking behind you to see if there's a plane crashed anywhere in the water. Pretty much, yeah. Is that plane? Because I, I didn't remember what the lighthouse, the lighthouse looked like the first time. So it's like, is this the same one? Yeah. No, okay. And then the close encounters of the third kind, like musical tone. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, there was definitely like this spooky ambiance that just like completely, I don't know, it, it, it just built this setting that made you want to turn around. <laughs> that, yeah you're like that, i don't want to go <laughs> i think i explained that to a person once is like where they were trying to uh convince me they didn't, they don't like playing horror games so they want to play uh bioshock because the first ones were like scared them and they were really horrifying it's like this one is not scary but there's this really weird atmosphere of like dread and eeriness and just creepiness it just everything that happens in the game is really just makes your skin crawl and you don't really know why and it's 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 kind of a strange thing. It's like it's not horrifying, it won't scare you, but you're gonna feel really uneasy for like the longest fucking time. And it's funny enough too because like the to- like a lot of the the trailers that were shown pre- predominantly before like we experienced the finished product of Bioshock Infinite, a lot of them have this like very unsettling uh, horror tone that's very reminiscent of Bioshock, especially like the the, the biggest uh, gameplay teaser one that involved you fighting a character that doesn't even show up in the final game, ironically enough, Charles. Um, and as you're roaming the streets, you're, you're getting this like dystopia, uh, uh, you know, sense to where, you know, there, there are people like trying to go on in complete denial with their lives on the streets as like buildings are on fire and you see this woman sweeping away. Like it was very reminiscent of Rapture. Yeah. And yet, when you first enter the city of Columbia, like, everything's fine. It's a functioning society. If anything, it's a very deluded society because you slowly kind of come across, like, some of the eeriness of it. But the eeriness is so much more subtle, and I, I really like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was very much like, you know, it's it's catching you off guard because it's playing to, the, uh, to your fears in the back of your head. You're not really understanding why you're freaked out, but you know something is wrong. And it, it kind of pulls you into the character a lot better that way. Yeah, I, I would like, I don't know, there's this sense of, uh, you just feel like there's this ominous dread kind of looming yeah. around the environment. And what's funny is it's uh, it's a little bit more forgiving than you initially, you know, take stock for. And then it just, it, it fucking sets in. And when it sets in, it sets in hard. Right. Um, so, essentially, we're coming up to this lighthouse. And as we're doing so... 
Uh, Booker is fucking rocketed. I love that, though, because I was always thinking, like, how, how do they transport this man to a floating city? Um, I will say this, and that's one point I was slightly disappointed with, is, and, you know, I, I, okay, so aesthetically and contextually, in, in lieu of the narrative and the setting that was being sold to me, brilliant but otherwise vague as you know as opposed to direct storytelling which of course bioshock infinite that's the brilliance of it nothing about it is fucking direct at all and and you really have to you really have to put on your your attention cap when when you're soaking in columbia but they don't really touch on the uh the prologue or past of columbia like i understood that like booker's past is kept ambiguous intentionally but I mean, like, all the shit that you come across is really relayed through um, these connectoscopes, through silent film. And I didn't feel like that really did the exposition justice. Like, I don't know, I don't know how you guys felt about that. Well, especially since all those were kind of skewed, you know, they were, they were kind of, you know, used as propaganda. So you couldn't really use those as, like, a way to tell, you know, the origins and how Columbia started. But, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, they're doing DLC, so they'll probably you know what i mean like because all that stuff anything in the story is never explained you said it's never direct it's always explained through box of phones or tears so i mean if they haven't explained it yet it doesn't necessarily mean they won't Uh, well i mean they could could, you know see that kind of keeping in theme with like the whole bioshock thing where they never really just come right out and say anything like they did with rapture they didn't they never said anything really about it like you just piece this together on your own you make your own narrative on that no but i i I disagree with that because as you're as you're sinking down into rapture in the elevator andrew ryan completely explains like what his intentions were with rapture Mm. you know the communists wanted this the capitalists wanted this i didn't want any of that and i did this whereas columbia Columbia like focuses on an old American uh, mentality and philosophy of exceptionalism, especially towards uh, foreign diplomacy and, and just basically towards a foreign interaction. And like w- especially when you get to the parts with Slate, which we'll touch on later, where they talk about the Boxer Rebellion and Wounded Knee. I mean, you you don't even like you still don't really piece together basically any of that, but Columbia was directly involved in all that. And Connectophones will explain that, but through two lines of dialogue, or I'm sorry, two two lines of text, and then silent film cinematography. I mean, the exposition is 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 faithful to the source material that they're trying to emulate, but it does it does a terrible job of kind of setting up a setting. I felt like it's so vague. That the like there's this there's this actual rich lore around Colombia that I feel like on a, on an, a level of exposition is kind of lost. Now is like the one gripe I have about mm. it narratively. I, I don't know. I, I think honestly, if, if you look at enough of those, like the, the actual videos and the propaganda, I think you can kind of get an idea of what happened. But I don't know. It almost makes it sound like you you would want like a newspaper spinning. You know, like like cussing, like newspaper thing that stops and it says what happened. You know, I kind of do want that as long <laughs> as long as it works, dude. Plays that... fire music. Columbia is shunned by Americans. Yeah. They go into hiding after their boxer rebellion intervention. I mean, it actually says that in one of them. It's like you know, like the uh, U.S. says, you know, stop trying to help, and it's like, okay, we're gonna leave. See ya. Yeah, fuck you guys. Comstock. We're the real Americans. But see, you you had to really search for that. Yeah, and, yeah, and, agreed. And 
so like that like I, I was able to piece it together and I and I appreciated it just the same but you know what I mean I kind of felt like you know rap in in the telling of Rapture as I mentioned I mean I, I mean, even then it wasn't all that direct but you got you got the hook once you got the hook then you were able to find everything else but I mean once you're in Colombia you don't even get the hook you just gotta you you just are immersed in everything and speaking of immersion uh, how did everybody feel about that forced baptism? Oh, that was <laughs> messed up. Yeah, that I was, uh, the I was expecting like forever to like. Can I? Is there a way around that at all? Can, 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 can I not? Do you, do you think there's any significance at all to the fact that the person that was uh, baptizing you was blind? I think I, the person it, that's baptizing. I think the person that's baptizing in the beginning is the same person that baptizes you in the at wounded knee. That would make sense because then Comstock would probably would recruit the guy who reborn him and all that shit, rebirthed yeah. him. I just like, always thought maybe the fact he was blind made some difference. Like he he doesn't know exactly like who he's baptizing necessarily, or he does, but he, you know what I mean. I just I don't know if yeah. it was like symbolic at all or not. Well, because well, otherwise he'd be like, hey, you look familiar, big guy. I think it makes sense because again, uh, the, the the whole strangeness of everything is you're you're sent on a mission simply to find Elizabeth. However, the individual that you're liberating her from knows of your arrival and doesn't really directly try to intervene. Just makes <laughs> yeah. your life fucking complicated. And yeah, yeah. Right. And in doing so, the, he uh, immediately identifies you by the brand of AD that's on your right uh, on your right hand. And I think because that's the only way you can get into Colombia, and the fact that none of the uh, the the clergy that you encounter in there, as well as the priests themselves, really pay any mind. It's not until you're actually walking among the citizens that you're you're labeled the the quote unquote false shepherd. So right. I think I think it really was intentional that I was blind, just so that way he could just fucking hook Booker in. But uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it again. That's the I don't know. That's the brilliance of this game. So yeah, you're walking the streets of Colombia, and I don't know. I I kind of got like I got this false sense of dread. I mean, everything. No, I was I was cheery and happy, man. I I was like, if I could skip in this game, I would hit that button right now. <laughs> to skip it Nothing and, and, and frolic. Go wrong now. Yeah. Oh, look I'm at sh- the nice boy with the newspaper. Isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, he was genuinely surprised when things turned shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of what? <laughs> well, I was legitimately surprised, but then I I slowly started uh, understanding just the uh, the mentality and the philosophy uh, of that particular community, and you know the exceptionalism. I don't know what it is, man, but like Bioshock Infinite really pushed. The, it pushes a lot of buttons, and it and it does so, I believe, in a tasteful manner. But it doesn't make it any less. It doesn't make it any less unsettling. Though, because like that, the, the like the religious undertones and then the racism is oh man, it really gets you. Because then you realize like all these people and the way, you know, when when they separated from the union, I mean, they kind of receded all the way back to just the mistreatment of their you know of colored people. So African Americans were just they were slaves all over again in the sky. And just like coming across them, like oh man, just coming across them when they're working, and then hearing them mumble, as as they, you know, I don't know that that really that was very, it was very chilling. No, I, think, I, I totally get that. Yeah, especially well, when. Well, I'm sorry, James. Go ahead. 
I don't I don't think the religion the religious symbolism is is an undertone at all. The game the game kind of like slaps you in the face with the, with its religious persecution um, from the, from the very beginning. That's why they they force you to baptize yourself before you even get into the city. I, and and the, the racial segregation is pretty much up front and center as well. Those are pretty much the two the two biggest themes up until when shit starts to go crazy near the end. The two biggest themes in the game are religious and racial persecution. Racial persecutions all in the manner of what they feel is pure, and that that's all within the ideals of exceptionalism. Exceptionalism, though, doesn't really center around any any compound of religion. So that's that's what kind of you know I was expecting the racism from the get go. As far as you know, seeing it in action, I I would have to admit you know how you kind of expect something like you know it's going to happen, but that doesn't take away from the impact all the same. You know that's that's what I got with the racism, the religion, and especially and you know what's funny is. All the makings of a of a cult slash organized religion were all thrown in there, but it's never really explained what religion. It, it's basically Comstock is is lauded as this prophet, yet there's no Lord. There's there's commandments that he sets, and there's you know there's rules and and guidelines that he he sets in play. Um, that funny enough, like I think he hilariously demonstrates between Duke and Dimwit, which are again th- th- that's what I meant by undertones. Like, yeah, the religious. I think when when it came to a point where playing a really strong plot point, yeah, it was it was pretty gnarly. But I mean, even then, like if you just like all the all the ambient use of it, whether you saw it within the visual propaganda or just like over here, like fucking citizens of Columbia talk. I don't know, man. It was a uh, it was like being back in the fucking witch trials of Salem. Almost, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, the John Wilkes Booth statue was probably the most unsettling thing I fucking saw in that game. <laughs> uh-uh, yeah. No, no. The, the painting of Lincoln being shot as the devil and John Wilkes Booth with like the halo, you know, behind his head like that. That was <laughs> a little little much. Yet, I did yet, not uh, see that painting. Yet they yeah. have Lincoln Iron Patriots. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, spouting all this. Uh, I, I like how they actually have like recorded, like pre-recorded things. They'll spout out as you're fighting them. It's pretty good. I am the hand of the prophet, though I am not the mercy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. But uh, I, I just wonder. I, I, I was trying to think. I was like, why? Why did those people go up in the clouds? Like, like why did you guys go up there? You guys knew it was going to be bad. Don't go. Don't go. I'm, I'm speaking of the ones they persecute, the ones they you know discriminate against. No, well, they. Like, like, why? Why are all? Why? Why are there? If this is if this is a flying city of racial persecution, why is there black people and Chinese people and Irish people up there? Why'd you guys? Why'd you guys go up, man? That was a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> what said that, that, that? I was a little confused by that as well. But I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, because I I thought maybe like because I know I know that actual like slavery ended in like you know like the middle like eighteen hundreds or something like that, but. I know that you know a lot of places would. It was eighteen. Yeah, it's around there, but but like they would actually like you know, like a lot of places, especially places that weren't really cool with that, would you know actually like you know use like a convict lease kind of thing where like you know convicts would actually still you know they'd be under indentured servitude, but it was only because they were prisoners. I don't know if like it's not like they got that or I don't know. I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, why would you willingly go up there? Like you know, I don't this think they were fruity loops. willingly taken. Like if if you notice, yeah, maybe I mean. Just, Take against uh, their will or something. The the foreign the foreign uh, 
the, the races that I, I, I came upon, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but my theory behind that, because I, I honestly thought the same thing, between African-Americans, uh, the Irish, and the Chinese, those are all races that, you know, have a history of enslavement. Mm-hmm. Irish railroad, uh, Irish and Chinese railroad workers, and, you know, of course, African-Americans. So I feel like in some way the Chinese more than likely may have been uh, prisoners of war from the Boxer Rebellion. Irish may have been uh, from, I don't know, between shit that happened at Wounded Knee and whatnot. Because, again, like, Columbia was there in all of these things. So mm-hmm. in some fashion. They, it was initially disguised as a world fair, which, you know, initially was, was then uh, revealed itself as a fucking flying armada. So... Yeah, I eh, I don't know. Chen was cool. He was like, "Yeah, I'll make you guns. It's cool. Let me just put my little shrine here, and I'll work up here in the attic. It's cool." Yeah, and then eventually, he's just like, "Hey, man, none of this is really cool, dog. I don't, I don't, I don't dig." Uh, and then, no. then you got the Vox Populi, and they're like, "Hey, we don't, uh, we don't care much for this uh, Comstock fella. Hey, I kind of don't like him anymore either. Um, uh, I'll, I'll make you guns." And that just led into um some heap of trouble but yeah let's let's uh let's go ahead and get to that first part interracial couple um public hanging i'm, I'm assuming all of us I, I really want to believe all of us chose to throw the baseball at the announcer right oh nope. nope oh no <laughs> what the fuck i can live vicariously through this video game i hate them all uh, no, <laughs> no, stop that that's a terrible thing to accuse james of all right james, i would never do that unless he actually did it yeah, why why are you being racist, James? I fucking hate. Um. Oh. What the <laughs> no, um. Wouldn't it be fitting if you threw I, I'm, potato? I'm censoring that. I don't even know what that means, but I'm censoring it. <laughs> really... Oh man. Uh, no, Whatever gets censored to... on this show, you should be. Proud. I wanted to see what would happen. I hate bleep. Or so I what does happen? What does curiosity. happen? Because ever since ever since I started playing more towards the evil side of things in games, I'm trying to do <laughs> that. Well, because that I'm, like I always played a douchebag when you had decisions to make. But what, yeah. Well, that's what Dana calls him, a douchebag. Anyone who plays strictly good is a douchebag. But <coughs> I've, been, I've been leaning more towards the evil side and stuff, so I just like to see what happens when you do that stuff, like what they do with it. Well, I bet you didn't get some cool gear because they reward you for helping them. Yeah, bro, I got a sweet hat. Would you, I get? Still get, you still get gear, but you get gear from someone else. Oh, who? God damn it, who? Who did you get it from? The announcer? The announcer, I think. Ah, oh, what the fuck, binary bullshit! Do you get the gear like right at that moment? Same, yeah, same moment. I mean, that's what that, that's one of the also the underlying themes of this game is there are places where you have choice, but your choice doesn't matter. Well, no, no. Well, when I say the same place. I mean the same place where you got the gear from the couple, or do yeah. you, does he give it to you right when you hit him? See, no, the same but place. He, he actually the- like singled you out because like they do the same thing. Like you go throw it, they catch your arm before you do, and they're like fall shepherd. 
No, you find you find gear in that same area. Um, and he's I, just chilling so, there, like, "Hey, sorry, I had to rat you out like that, but here's a shirt." Some, some, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly. that's weird. I don't understand that. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I started. I just did that just to see what would happen more than anything. And what did happen? Other the than same, you being an the, awful person, the same, the same exact thing. They spot your hand before it, it, you throw it. And... I love that. I love that they're trolling us by giving us choice and thinking that we're going to be like, I don't know which one to do. I don't know which one to do. Is it going to change the ending? It doesn't do anything. But you know what? I think that's part of the theme. That is part of the theme. doesn't matter what you do. It's always going to be yep. the same. Exactly. I listen to him. I Man, that's mind-blown. Excellent. Excellent. That is point. deep. That's deep shit. That's some deep shit. But yeah. I blew my own mind. He just got <laughs> incepted. <laughs> It, this honestly is like the inception of video games media. It really is oh because my God. Inception is still being taken apart and examined, and Bioshock Infinite is a is a final. Like when James mentioned that, I I couldn't agree more. Like this is going to be one of those works of fiction that is still. I mean, before we started podcasting, because again, we we all have a general outline of what we'd like to talk about. I I I threw string theory and and parallel dementia in quantum physics at these guys and apparently I made Andrew cry in the process. No, I didn't like it. I clicked on it and then I, I disliked that video on YouTube just so I know. <laughs> the words, the words had more the words had more than three syllables in it. That's too much. And like that guy was wearing a tie and he looked smart and I said, Nope. I want cat videos on my YouTube. Yeah, Andy hands you comment. Take off Fuck your glasses, you nerd. <laughs> uh, I don't want your book reading in my video. Show my video. I want to see some fail videos. Let's see some fat people falling. Click. <laughs> and uh, more cats. And more cats. Press pause radio breaking at the intellectual wall. <laughs> <laughs> breaking. I don't know breaking. about that. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, I, I'm just personally, like I said, I'm curious towards the choices that were made because we don't know exactly what the significance is. Like, I don't know. The ambiguity uh, of Bioshock Infinite throughout the majority of it really works to its benefit, except for the one, like I said, the one gripe. I just want that introductory exposition. I, I will gladly find everything else, but the, I definitely enjoyed the fact that, you know, the voxophones were much easier to access than any of the, the recordings from prior uh, Bioshock games. So I don't know there is, there's definitely a relevance in that, but the, how do you guys feel about the connectoscopes? Like, I feel like they they, they work to sell the setting to me, but pragmatically, they just pissed me off. I don't know. I'm not really big on the connectoscopes. I kind of just started them and then immediately got out of them. I didn't even know this. Uh, are those like the video things? Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I, I enjoyed at first. I'm just like, this is really nifty. But then when you, you come across so many and, like, their key points of... Um, their key points of story transition, it just, I don't know, kind of soured me. So, I prefer the voxophones more than anything. Oh, yeah, the voxophones yeah. are fucking rad. Mm-hmm. I, loved, I loved the exposition for the voxophones, though. When you're at the fair, there's somebody who's just explaining what a voxophone is and just seeing them. Um, I don't know. I really I really enjoy that, that they're, they are portable fucking record players that are written over once. So that was pretty cool. Um so, I do want to mention this too. Um, funny enough, is like there's there's such a downplay 
play. It's just like Bioshock. There's just a such a downplay placed on uh, capitalism, and yet it's pretty hot and heavy in this game. Uh, has anybody really been, uh, you know, realistically able to afford a lot of the vigor improvements? Yeah, in my first playthrough, I got every single like upgrade except for one. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I might okay, need so, this hard mode because all of mine were fifteen hundred and up. Except well, so fucking. So so a uh, buddy of ours, Kevin, actually uh, put me on this, and I didn't know it. Didn't I wish I would realize it sooner? But you get that possession bigger uh-huh and if you possess the the machines like the dollar bill and and the you know the bigger machine all those if you possess them they'll shoot out money i did not know that yep i did either uh when i possessed them i thought i would change the prices did shit now that, that's what i was hoping it would do but yeah yeah it'll, it'll shoot out money so you're like okay cool i got some extra money and I, I just did that every time i saw a machine it'll only work the ones on each machine but i just i would just try to look for every nook and cranny i could possibly find like like I was just like just scoping everything, hitting A, or well, I guess X on, I think X on PS3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just trying to like just see if anything would open, or if there was like a shelf I could find, or you know what I mean. Like I would just search for every single possible thing I could. So I, I had a lot of money. I mean, I just I, I didn't upgrade so much of my weapons. I just upgraded all my vigors because, like I said, I upgraded the two weapons. That's all I had to do. That was I it. did the exact opposite. I upgraded yeah. <laughs> nearly all my weapons because it was affordable. I just use the same two, and that's all I needed, so I didn't worry about all the other ones. No, I, I was able to upgrade all my weapons, and that's mm-hmm. how I got through. My vigors, I think the only ones that I really upgraded were Murder of Crows and Bucking Bronco. That's it, because those are the only ones I can afford. Those were like in the mid-$100 range. Yeah. And uh, yeah, speaking of which, uh, I do appreciate this, even though it did get a little frustrating, but uh, dying was no longer just this, uh, you know, you Ugh, get up, brush... Yeah, you. There's penalties to dying in this game. You lose your money, and you lose right. quite a bit of it. You lose like fifty bucks a pop. Uh, see, I was just happy that when you did die, and if Elizabeth was close by, she'd like, you know, revive you. I was happy about that. Yeah, I was. That that was. Yeah, that's the one thing too. Not at any point in this game. I mean, I know they they did emphasize that Elizabeth can take care of her own, but I don't know. That that was one thing that was kind of lost on me. Um, and, and peer with me guys, because we've all, none of us did a media blackout on infinite. We all, we all talked about infinite plenty of times before it actually came out and we all anticipated it and we've all had our own, uh, thoughts towards it and correct me if I'm wrong, but was it not implied that the more you use Elizabeth's powers, the more it would hurt her? Uh, and that, it, you know, you wanted it, it was a risk reward system where you tried to avoid using her powers as much as possible. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in the game that was scaled back. Um, the skylines were scaled back. Elizabeth's contribution to combat was heavily scaled back. Okay. So yeah, cause maybe that's good because I remember too, if you use like, from what I remember, you know, in my anticipation of the game and check it out is. Uh, the more you use her to open up tears, it would make combat incredibly convenient for you, but it would hurt Elizabeth and affect, you know, the the narrative, uh, the outcome of the narrative significantly. And I, that's completely absent in this game. You can have her open as many tears as you want. Nothing happens to her. You don't have to protect her in any way. She's, she, she's almost just there as an after, like... The only thing that she's not an afterthought in combat is when she brings you supplies. But uh, I do like that she doesn't just magically 
come up with these supplies that she's actually surveying the area. Like, she's constantly running around the, the, the combat set piece. And if she finds health, she'll run back to you and then at a distance fucking chuck it at you. So, you know, stuff like that I did appreciate. But other than that, I, okay, so I would... That does explain a lot, James, because I was expecting... I actually uh, didn't use the terrors a lot until near the very end of the game. I avoided using a lot of the terrors because I, I was under the impression that it would affect the narrative in some way. No, no, it isn't. I mean... I mean, if you look at some of like the earlier gameplay stuff, uh, she had a lot heavier dose uh, as far as a lot bigger contribution in the combat. She could literally take enemies, take guns from enemies and kick them off the side. She could make water appear in the middle of the battle, which is there every now and then, but it was more more emphasized as far as what she can and can't do with her tears and stuff. Uh, and she she got scaled back a lot to the point that the enemies don't even know she's there. Yeah, much. the enemies really don't know that she's there. That's the thing. You don't. You really have absolutely no need to protect her. So, um, I don't know. Which, which would have made the game worse if it was one big, long escort mission. Oh, my God. Yeah, sure. would it ever. <laughs> I, I, it would have. However, I wanted at least one. Or, I don't know. I wanted I uh -oh. wanted to know that she was threatened at one point, and I had to look out for her. Uh, eh. I mean, you get that because you're, you're kind of, like, running after and chasing her. And honestly, like that, that might be something we'll get to later. But like that near the end, where you hear the screams and you hear her, like yeah. I was like, "Fuck!" Like, let me get in there. And then, of course, you encounter the the boys of silence, and that was the most terrifying enemy ever in that game. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that. that is, we'll get to that, that, but we, yeah, yeah. Um, but what is it going to mention that? Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted. I'm not saying I wanted eco with guns, but a little bit, a little bit. That, that's just all I'm saying. But yeah, so we're eventually, we make our way, we, we've already kind of soaked in Columbia. I will say this, like, in terms of just in scope of the city and whatnot, Columbia over Rapture, hands down. Like, I, I, I can't really agree with Andrew Moore. There, like, something about the attention to detail in the entire level design, because not only, I don't know, aesthetically and visually, it, it's stunning and breathtaking, but it's so intricately designed to where like everything has a place, every room, every every corner, every nook. And I kind of felt like Rapture, it really did feel like a labyrinth with hallways and rooms. You don't get that feeling at all with uh, Columbia. It really does feel like a city that you're moving in and out of buildings and doing, I don't know, you get more of a sense of feeling uh, moving in and out of it. I mean... Unfortunately, it, I mean, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately. I mean, it did a good enough job to where it ha it felt like an open environment and it was still really linear. But the the sense of scale and and the open interaction with everything involved was really awesome. I think it it all has to attribute with uh, Elizabeth's lock picking ability, like you know, feeling like you can get back. Like there are so many times I went back. And just picking up like voxophones that are telling me like, hey, over at the salty, salty seashell, yeah, there's a salty seashell. There's a secret button under the register, and the fact right. that I, I I knew like I could I could put a visual memory, and and actually navigate back to that bar. That's something you you really like. I honestly had trouble doing with Rapture in my first playthrough. On my very first playthrough with Columbia, though, like everything organically ingrained itself within my lobe for navigation. The moment I like I came across it because I had had it was just structurally built both aesthetically and, and just pragmatically. It was just really well done. So I, if anything, the best part 
in the entire game for me. Other than story, the story ultimately trumps it, but not close, you know, not far behind would definitely be the actual environment itself. Columbia is the best game world I've been in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it's actually in. Go on, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I I mean, I, I love Columbia's design. It does fit better a lot. A lot, fit together a lot better than Rapture, and it flows a lot better than Rapture does. I still preferred Rapture as like an, aesthetically as just the way it looked, but that's more of a personal um, choice to me. But but it, it is much better designed than Rapture ever was. Yeah, Rapture as I mean, yeah, it's 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 just it's got like this uh, hallway and room vibe where I didn't I didn't get that at all. Um, every every moment of. Uh, yeah, every single moment of Columbia. So we're we're approaching Monument Island, and we're sort of being introduced to Elizabeth. Uh, we're we're basically able to see her uh, see through through look away glass, and I don't know. To me, and still, as we mentioned, everything that makes this game brilliant, Elizabeth ultimately makes the story. Uh, the I I really like I don't know the the big goal with Bioshock Infinite was to give you a companion that you cared about, that you, you know, uh, Andrew still to this day will talk about how much he loved Prince of Persia 2008 because of the inclusion of Elika. Uh. And I feel like they kind of, they take that dynamic with this game and they, they just, I don't know, they infuse it with steroids. That, 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 the character exchange between Booker and Elizabeth is strong right from the get go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, especially like, you know, you see her so innocent and just so not understanding what's going on or what's happening out there, you know, because she's isolated. You know, she's just kind of in her own world. She's reading about France and wanting to go one day. And, you know, then she gets out in the world and she's seeing it for the first time. And she's just so just amazed by everything. The music, the, the you know, the, the fresh air, you know, all that. And it's kind of like how I felt when I first got to Columbia. You know, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I just want to be in this in this world, but then changes start to happen and people start to change, and then it's you know, it's kind of the loss of her innocence. But for for a while there, she's just you know the happiest person in the world. And I love that part. Yeah, you know, like you said, I think Monument Island is that the one where like you actually like kind of come to and she kind of runs off and starts dancing. No, that's uh, when you. That's, that's after you liberate her. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. Battleship Bay or something like that. Battleship yeah, Bay. Battleship that's what Bay. it is. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Yeah, when you maybe liberate I'm jumping her. ahead, but yeah. When you liberate her, she just starts to slowly realize uh, all the cruelty that that's kind of been forced on her. I mean, she already understands that she's been imprisoned and mostly isolated from any any or any really. Yeah. Any contact but the songbird. Yeah. But she was safe. You know, she was safe. And then you see what's out there. And then especially when you get to like, you know, the the slums or whatever they call it. I don't know what they call that. The The shantytown. Shantytown. Yeah. Once once that happens, then that starts to change. Yeah, but like just even when she's escaping Monument Island and escaping the tower from Songbird, when she sees the two-way mirror glass, she like again, she just slowly starts realizing just how abused she she was. And then yeah, I, I think if anything, like the 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 development of a character has never been portrayed to me in in a more gripping fashion, like more engaging fashion than that with Elizabeth. Because at first, even then, like. Booker is so fucking cold towards her, even in the beginning. And then just seeing that, seeing that slowly evaporate. I don't know. It, it was it was definitely the most seamless. Like not like that namby pamby shit with Enslaved or 
you know, the somewhat cool stuff in Prince of Persia, seeing the exchange between those two, that that was just, in my opinion, that's the way to do it. And they that's the one thing that was essentially nailed. That's the one thing I wanted to be nailed. It was it was actually a concern I shared with Andrew before I even started playing the game. Like, I, I want to know, like, what this character exchange is. Because I think one of the more haunting parts... Uh, well, I'll get to the most haunting part of the game for me personally, but it definitely involves those two. But in the very beginning, I mean, as as, as we're talking about, yeah, she she's experiencing the the outside world for the first time, and everything that she's read or or learned about, she's seeing up close and personal. And then she sees fucking people's lives being taken viciously, and it affects her. She doesn't even know how to respond to that, or even. You, you just see this uneasiness that's animated in her face as she follows or, like, walks nearby Booker. I don't know. Uh, that, that was definitely very chilling. Did you get her some cotton candy? I got her some cotton candy. Oh, I didn't get her cotton candy. I didn't know you can do that. Yeah, yeah. If, you run, if you run by the cotton candy vendor, he gives her some cotton candy. I think I gave yeah. her a hot dog, actually. I think I gave her a hot dog. And that is not an arcade. That is a theater. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, we know what arcades are really like. Yeah, that's not an arcade. We're, we're that was, dude, that was an old school arcade, y'all. Anyway, um, like a penny arcade, that kind of thing. Yep, a Nickelodeon, if you will. Ooh, uh-huh. ooh, ooh. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Where's David the Gnome? Can we oh, talk? <laughs> Nick can we talk about David the Gnome now? Can we? Can let's we do, talk about Songbird for a second? I would love to talk about Songbird. The complete lack of Songbird in this game. I mean, he's only in <laughs> two or three parts. I was expecting Songbird to be a much bigger role in this game when I started. Uh, I thought it was going to be a fight, and I was pissed that I was going to fight him. I was like, God damn it. Maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to suck. Like, when I fight this thing, it's going to be a bitch. Yeah. That's what that... I could think the whole time. You know what, though? The, I mean, less, I, the less I saw of it, the better, honestly, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of liked like how little he was used, because when he was used, he was used very significantly. There's actually one part of Songbird that I... Jesus Christ, that I still can't shake out of my head. It's the very end. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, oh, yeah, like... Absolutely. Yeah, just because... I don't, I don't know what it is, because, like, again, they really touch on it, and she does explain, like... She loves, and even then, again, that was that was touch upon like some of the exposure that we got to this during development. That Elizabeth has this attachment to Songbird, but this overall like overwhelming resentment. Like she she hates the thing, but she still cares about it because it was the only thing she had to care about until yep. you liberate her. It's an abusive relationship. Basically. It, it was, but you know, like Songbird yeah. never meant her physical harm, and then. And the very end, like I thought, oh fuck, like I'm we're gonna have to fight this thing. And then she goes, no, you're not. And then you watch it, fucking viciously drown. Like I think that was like the quite possibly the cruelest fucking way to take it out. And here she is going, shh, it's okay. Yeah, She's putting it's it okay. down like an animal. Yeah, she, no, yeah. but like, dude, no, that's like putting it down yeah. like an animal and then using heels yeah. to fucking stomp out its eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it. I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little bit more as we talk about the ending, but I, I know people that are in the comics would probably understand this. I mean, and you've probably heard this reference before. I'm not the first to say it. I'm not the last. But she does, once she realizes, like, once the siphon's been destroyed, and once she realizes fully what she is and what she can do, she has that Dr. Manhattan moment. 
Yeah. Yeah, she basically has that moment where she, you know, just understands what she can do and, and she just loses all of her humanity whatsoever. So, like, the moment that she's, like, you know, just saying, okay, it's okay, you know, you can go, and the songbird just viciously just, you know, suffocates and just, you know, drowns to death. You know, it's, it's like the moment in the comic, you know, in Watchmen, spoilers for anyone that hasn't read or watched. Don't, well, okay, I should say re-read Watchmen because you shouldn't be watching just the movie. Shut um, up. Yeah, the movie's amazing. Uh, well, the movie's good, but the comic's good. The you, comic you, you see good. what I'm saying? You should do both. Yeah, you should do but both. like in, in Watchmen, like where you know Doctor Manhattan just just obliterates Rorschach, just just zaps him out of existence all all together, and has Callously. like no has like no qualms about it whatsoever. It's like, huh, okay, this is the way it has to be. See ya. So you know, it, it, it's that moment. Yeah, you understand that you're the all powerful, like you're a deity at this point, like you're a god. You know, and it's like. She she lost all of her humanity. Like she she like the thing that she loved and hated at the same time. Now she's just indifferent. She it, it's just another thing to her. That's gonna be a really crafty spoiler tag that I'm gonna put there. It's gonna be crafty. It's a it, it's a games club. Of course it's a spoiler. <laughs> no, I'm talking about fucking Watchmen. Oh, and Watchmen. Okay, fair fair enough. Fair enough. No, it has been way too long for that to be. Yeah, a yeah. The statue. That comic's like twenty statue years limitation. Old. It has has run up on that one quite a bit. I think. Uh, you know what? I'll agree with you guys for the sake Thank of expediency. And, and if you have, if you haven't read or watched Watchmen, you shouldn't be playing Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, there you go. Fuck it. You don't have taste. What are you doing? Let, are you let doing? me spoil something more current than Watchmen. Super, the, the death and Return of Superman. Superman is not really dead. What? Uh, man. He's does in he a become, coma. He's in does a he become coma. Steel? No, he doesn't become Steel. That's Shaq. Okay, Kazam. so hold on, hold on, because this was a drunken argument that we had a while ago. So oh, we goodness. can all agree that Kazam is worse than Steel, right? Yes. No. No, I like Kazam more than Steel. Yeah, Steel sucks. Guys. No, it's the Steel's exact- terrible. Kazam's good. Not as good as Shaq Fu, but it's good. Kazam's worse than Steel. No, you're wrong. I'm you're wrong. not wrong. You're, you're, you're dead wrong. <laughs> no. Because Kazam, Kazam, you can watch and laugh at. Steel, you can't do anything with that thing. You can't do either. You can't do either with either. No, no, yeah, you can. You can watch. You can watch when he we rides in on, on, a on YouTube. It's on YouTube in its entirety. This was a oh man. That's the next anniversary movie. We're gonna watch. Sure. Kazam. Nope. Might as well. While we, while we while while we play Shaq Fu, let's just do it. <sighs> that that sounds more relevant, but still, I I, I, I I vote for Double Dragon, either Double Dragon or Mortal Kombat. Uh, well, uh, we'll get to well, it Mortal later. Kombat's not terrible. It's not. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat one's good. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're we're definitely going off the rails. Yeah, here. we're. But anyway, but what we can yes. get back to is I do want to argue, and we'll get to that point. I disagree with you when it comes to the loss of humanity. I honestly okay. do. But we'll get to the part where like my my argument will stand. Uh, so anyway, yeah. But I will say, like, I don't know. I can't. I can't exactly detest just like uh you know lack of songbird just because when songbird was mentioned. Or when Songbird was shown, or any point in which he had a presence, it it, it was significant enough to where it, it definitely it gave me the impact that I wanted out of it. And you know what? In, for all intents and purposes, did we really expect to fucking fight that thing? Yeah, a little a bit. Four story tall, big daddy. I, I really thought I was gonna have to fight that thing. I was not looking forward to it. He, so what? A... When the moment happens where you decide, you realize you're not gonna fight him, but he'll he'll assist. I was like. Fuck yeah, let me ride this thing into victory. <laughs> is it a robot or a guy in a suit? 
Uh, so it's, um, a, it's an automaton with sentient uh, intelligence. It's actually a giant, giant fucking bird that they actually, built the into automaton. Actually, I that it's like a combination of both, that it's uh, organic and machine, but it's not it's not human by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's a giant auk. Not, not anymore. <laughs> it's a Muppet. It really is. Because, like, they talk about it. It's basically Comstock found it and tamed it and fucking programmed it. Found it yeah. where? I don't remember. He has a giant floating city. How hard is it to find a fucking giant bird? <laughs> true. He, like, a he, giant like, mechanical bird that someone had to create and no, just said, I don't know mechanic. where my giant bird went. No, dude, he six million dollared the fuck out of that bird. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, because it get, can drown. So I mean, it's organic to some extent. But yeah, yeah it's it's well, some sort of genetically engineered. Yeah, he cyborg thing. I've it's gotta I mean, be an alternate universe. He found it. It's it, well, it's an alternate universe, me. and I've heard it's the alternate universe that it, it's Booker. No, that's not Booker. I, I've heard I, I've heard theories. Let's just say theories that it could be Booker, or it could be something. Could well, be the it's most. It's probably like the it, it's the last great mystery, probably of like infinite. It's like what the it, fuck is it? Well, if we didn't... can open up tears to take other things out of other realities and bring it into our own, who's to say that in another reality? Somewhere it, it was something that was significant to Elizabeth and brought it back in through the tear. Well, you know what? Get your season pass because you'll find out later in the DLC. Yeah, thanks, Irrational. Jesus. Uh, was it... Games. It, yeah, oh, man, that's fucking. Um, hey, so what was the yeah? Was what, what was the conspiracy theory behind Songbird uh, in relation to Rapture? The Songbird is actually Fitzpatrick. The uh, guy, because he's got like a bird mask on his face and he plays an instrument. And um, I mean, it's probably just a coincidence. But uh, the part at the end where Songbird dies, the little whale he has, if you listen to the ambient noise of the part where Fitzpatrick dies, you can kind of hear Songbird died in the background. So that that's an internet conspiracy is that Fitzpatrick and Songbird are the same person, just from different universes. Make, see, I, that makes way kinda, more sense in Booker. I could kind of buy that, honestly. I can. Honestly, yeah. but uh, I, I will say this. I mean, again, we've we've liberated Elizabeth. Let's get back to that. I mean, in, in a sense, I, I, I personally I'm content with Songbird in, in the place that he had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't I, I, I really didn't see myself fighting him when you when you get a fucking giant scope of what he is like. I don't know. Irrational. They play it safe when it comes to uh, encounters of that variety to where like it, it's more of a menacing thing than an actual a physical thing. I mean, I don't know. They've uh, it. I, I didn't see it coming and I'm kind of. All right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm glad I didn't have any letdowns towards that. But either way, it didn't it didn't change the way I felt. Okay. So no, <laughs> and we're just done. All right. Yeah. So all right. You no. Know, hey. Uh. So Elizabeth has now just kind of been broken in and kind of kind of learned the kind of person that you are, and uh, yeah. Oh my God. I almost didn't really give a shit about her when uh, we found that fucking airship after. Um. Well, how do you guys feel about like the exposition behind Booker? I mean, this is the first time we're actually going to know a little bit more about the person when when you encounter Slate and you need that shock jockey. So you just like start, you know, she's so inquisitive and she wants to know about Booker. 
and everything just kind of being dropped at her from this third party that actually already knew of Booker, Slate. Um, funny enough, I think I love that part the most too because it, it really makes sense in the ending where Slate talks about how Comstack wasn't physically there and yet he tells it like he was and yet That's Booker good, was yeah. there. Yeah, it's like this, like, after you get past the ending, it's like one of the first really big hints, uh, big weird things that you start putting together in your head, like, whoa, that's eerie and whatnot. So it, 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 if you could put, if you could somehow put together the ending in your own, in your own mind, it's like one of the first really big hints that like something is seriously wrong and connected between those two. Like he knows he's there, but he's not, it's, it's really hard to follow. It, it's really kind of like until the very end, it's like the most backstory you get on Booker. Yeah. Like the majority of the game. At least well, the most towards his character of any kind. Like mm-hmm. he was like a hardened soldier or something. Well, mm-hmm. all right, let's, let's fast forward a bit. By the way, who, who, who killed Slate and who spared him? I spared him. Um, I spared, spared him. him. Yeah. I spared him and then killed him later in the prison. I didn't, wait, I, what? You can do that. Yeah. You just shoot him in the head. Yeah, he's breathing. So what if you don't kill him in the prison? If he just is there, he's just but there. If, he just sits there. If you if you kill him, if you kill him because you know when he's in the prison and, and and Elizabeth is like, you're right, you know this is this is worse for him. If you shoot him, she's like, oh, I guess that's what he wanted. You just shoot him and just walk away. So oh, wow. I'm, huh. I, I'm kind of interested. Yeah, like I'm kind of interested though because if you so so I I spared him. So you know, like I just you know didn't take the gun i just let him be and then you come back later and you see him in the prison but he's already been shot he's already dead like you're like wow like maybe you did didn't really spare him from anything you know is what she actually says to you so it almost makes you wonder like if that's like a an alternate you know what i mean like in the alternate universe you killed him in the prison but like i don't know that's weird yeah he's not dead dead in the prison i mean why don't you just kind of like comatose in the chair yeah he's toast dead Mm -hmm. oh Mm. I'm wondering. Like, I just, it makes me wonder. Like, maybe the decision you made in this one was the opposite decision in the other universe that is around or somewhere. yeah. So if we all killed him, if he'd show up somehow alive when you go through that chair, because yeah, this is where this is where Bioshock Infinite gets really existential. So just to, just to fill some contacts in between for uh you know so for those playing the playing the home game, so. We we go ahead, we liberate the shock jockey from Slate. We appear on the airship, and this is where Elizabeth first really learns of the ulterior motives behind Booker uh, and his desire to take her to New York instead of Paris. So fucking took a monkey wrench to the face. Uh, wakes up to her. I, I don't remember if she escapes or if she's taken. She uh, escapes. Yeah, she escapes, and then you're just kidnapped by the Vox Populi, uh, and they have your ship, but they're pretty much like, even though you explained several times, like, I don't have any side, I just want my ship, we'll get, you know, whatever's like, we'll give you back your ship, you get us our guns. We're like, fuck. So, this is the part where the fucking game just really takes a huge turn. Like, this is where, like, what whatever sense you may have made of the plot goes out the window, because now, like, quantum theory and, and parallel universes take effect. So essentially you're, you're, you come to learn of Elizabeth's ability to recognize dimensional like tears within the space time fabric. 
and and not only that, it has a gameplay dynamic to where you can actually rip things from other dimensions conveniently. Like, oh, okay, there's a box of medical kits right here. Or, all right, fucking, there's a, an automaton there. Okay, that works. But like, it, it still it works uh, narratively to where uh, you're 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 basically seeing events unfold with little or no difference because of the the parallel dichotomy of it between your world. In that fucking world. And that's where it starts going. Because you essentially have to rescue someone. Who you cannot rescue. Because he's fucking killed. And that's Chen Lin. He he dies in Fink's prison. And that's when Elizabeth introduces like. There's this terror. That will possibly take us into a world where he's alive. However in that world. He he is not. Uh, a Vox Populi uh, loyal. He, he is fully converted to the ways of the prophet uh, Columbia and, and Columbia's uh, way. That's the only way I can call it. Cause like I said, it's a religion, but it's not a labeled religion. It's just Columbia's religion. Well, he's, I think it's more has to do with his wife, his wife now being a white woman as opposed to a Chinese woman. So his, his wife is going to worship uh, the, uh, the prophet more than anything or Comstock. And and before we get we dive too deep into this stuff, I just want to just don't overthink it. Like just don't go in like think like arguing about like the grandfather was a grandfather paradox near the end and uh, all other sorts of paradoxes. Like technically, when you go into another world, shouldn't there be another Booker there in the second world? Because there was a third Booker in the third world. So I mean, you really it, just have fun with it as far as like what they do with the story, you don't want to bring, bring time paradoxes into this too much. It'll break the entire thing. Well, see, that's the thing. There really isn't a time paradox. It's a dimensional paradox mm-hmm. because in the, in the, in, in the string theory, that's really like subtly thrown in ah! <laughs> <laughs> within string theory. Basically there are predetermined events only basically spaced out between differences that set them apart from others. Essentially, Those sliders, so like that. Yeah. So essentially, it's the butterfly effect spanned across dimensional uh, ways. What does happen in one can affect the other. And then, that I love how they handle that because as as they travel dimensionally, they they essentially replace their dimensional persona. So, you know, Booker becomes that Booker, and and in doing so. He he suffers a nosebleed as his brain hemorrhages over new memories. That's it, it, something that they kind of touched on, ironically enough, in in that Ashton Kutcher movie, Butterfly Effect. When really yeah, that movie is amazing. Good movie. And, Amy Smart's really good in that. It's a good movie. You guys should yeah. watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, other than that, breathy recommendation. Moving forward. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that like I really love that touch with all the enemies that you previously killed before traveling through the tear are are suffering the hemorrhages in, into such a violent effect that they're they're pretty much out of commission because they're experiencing the pain of dying that you just recently inflicted on them as you traveled through. And I don't know. At first, it was getting kind of lost on me, but how'd you guys feel about that when 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 Bioshock went for that fucking loop? really doesn't phase me much i i 
I've been a sci-fi fan forever, like, you know, Philip K. Dick and uh, Harlan Emerson and all that shit where, like, that's, that sort of thing is just kind of par for the course. You know, I can, I can actually follow that stuff. I've, I mean, I've watched Star Trek and that stupid time paradox crap. I could get through this easily enough. Well, this yeah, kind of reminded me of fucking Quantum Leap. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And it does this, it, it deals with its sci-fi very well. It does. It's some of the best, probably, like, games i sci-fi i've played in a long fucking time mm-hmm. you know like this like hyper like hot like i don't want to say high concept because it's not really what a high concept means but it's just this like it the game asks you to play it as an adult you know it's something that like it's mature not for its violence or its sexual themes but it's mature because there is no way in fucking hell that kid is going to grasp any of this like it's gonna blow their mind whole, and they're just gonna sit there staring. Like I, I Most shot. Adults don't grasp this. I know, right? I, I was I gonna say, I, like, what the fuck? I kind of feel like I might be a kid then because I just saw him. I was like, oh, it's kind of like Portal. Do 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 do. Kept on going. That's all I did. I was like, oh, sweet, like Portal. Time to kill stuff. Still skipping the game at this point. Oh, so simple. I know. I really am, but. That's probably how it would be if a kid was playing this. They're like, oh, cool, Portal. Let's go rip this guy's head off with a hook. But I think, if anything, the one part in where the game really loses itself, because, you know, for the most part, it stays on top of it, but it does interesting things. So, for example, you know, the moment that you come to the realization within this this world, because you you basically climb through two-dimensional drifts at this point. So... The differences are anywhere from small in, in the existence of one individual as a difference to anything else that happens to an entire revolution where you're trying to locate the weapons, but there's no way to really, you know, immobilize the supplies. And then essentially by by affecting a drift that involves the supplies, you basically help fucking start a revolution. And Booker DeWitt is now recognized as a martyr for the Vox Populi, something that he at first initially uses a means to the end and you find out through the use of voxophones with similar intent then slowly is realized into a, a fucking a actual political figure into Colombia something he had absolutely no desire to fucking do so just like just a sheer difference in between scopes and worlds of the dimensions yeah like i don't know it it really that, hit hard that part pissed me off because i loved how like you know you you come through the tear and like you're saying, like you're seen as a martyr, you know, and then you have the whole thing with, you know, um, Daisy Fitzroy, Daisy. Thank you. Um, you know, that, that whole, that whole thing. And then, you know, I was going through and I couldn't tell which one was, you know, enemy, which one was friends. So I was just shooting whoever, like, don't shoot your allies. I was like, bullshit. They're my allies. Like everyone's fucking against me. It doesn't matter. I don't have anyone else helping me in this, you know, but like, I would just shoot whoever was there and they're like, nope, don't shoot them. They're going to turn on you. I was like, they're going to do that probably anyways. So why not? But way to, I don't call, know. way to call that one. Way to yeah, pretty much. I was like, I was like, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I will say this: it's the game's really deceptive in the fact that it, it in the very beginning again is you're getting more exposition to like the only dystopian subterfuge that's fucking happening, unlike Rapture and Columbia, was the is the Vox Populi, and they're yeah. they're like there's very small like it's just they're alluded to be this very small underground resistance that's led by and Daisy Fitzroy, who's the only thing the huge thing that she committed was killing Lady Comstock, but it's 
it's like implied that you like that, that she was put to death that you that Daisy Fitzroy was killed and then you find out mm-hmm. that she's not because she's the one that sends you to get the guns in the first place and then yeah and you you really have that sense of you want to help you're like I want to bring down this whole fucking thing like I want to I want to you know liberate these people I want to help and then you know like you said you go through the tear and then you find out okay like this has changed <laughs> Is it really yeah. any better that way? It's not. Like, it's almost worse because, like, I remember, you know, when you go through that tear and then now the Vox Populi has overrun, they've taken over, and, you know, and Booker's the martyr. He's, you know, died for the cause. And you're seeing people being executed right in the middle of the street. Like, even Columbia wasn't that bad. It was just like, it was, you know, I know a lot of people say there's, like, ties or, like, imagery that seems very reminiscent of other moments in history, like, you know, Vietnam and, you know, all these things where people are being just executed right in the middle of the street. You know, just yeah, no but, sympathy, no, no, nothing whatsoever. Like, like nope, it's heartless. Columbia, Columbia still had public trials. Like, there was, it was still more civilized. Like, this was almost like a fucking militant regime where they were yeah. just gunned down against the wall. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, the founders wanted a place order, while the Vox Populi just simply wanted freedom by any means. And, like, They're I think what it is, okay. is... Yeah, and, and, like, what it is, too, is it's not really subtly touched on, but, like, the Vox Populi are very small in the beginning. And and even then, just the name alone, Vox Populi in Latin means voice of the people. And when you, and like I said, when you, when you, when Elizabeth and you see, like, the conditions of shantytown and the neglect that, like, the founders have placed during the certain areas of the nation, and then going through the terrors, uh, suddenly hints at like time also passing by at a, at a greater length you kind of see that the war has just kind of completely eschewed their cause and like they're just fucking fighting out of hatred now mm-hmm. their, their, their uh, subjugation and all that has basically just driven them mad to the point where like it's like you know freedom fuck it just kill everybody it's essentially like the french revolution where they just killed monarchs without trial or reason or anything like you know just fuck them we hate them yep yeah, the, at, at one point, especially, it was probably one of the very first uh, very unsettling moments, like truly unsettling, I mean, not, not just imagery, but like an actual moment, is when you're going through, uh, as Andrew mentioned, to where he uh, he brightly uh, came to the assumption, of like, yeah, these, these guys, these guys aren't my friends. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they are not my friends. Because uh, as Daisy confronts you, stating... Because she has no idea. She, she doesn't acknowledge parallel dimensional travel. She doesn't even fucking hear you out. She's just like, you're an imposter. I watched my booker die. Whatever you are, you're dead now. No, I, I, I disagree. I think she's fully aware of the tears. And uh, uh, please, please interject. How? Well, because she was close to Lady Comstock. She was close to the family. You know, she was a servant. She, she was there the whole time. And... I think she's well aware of the tears and, and what is possible and what they can do because she has that specific line and I I've seen this in other you know talks about the game. She has that specific line in the uh, elevator where she says like my Booker died for the cause. Like you know she says I don't know if you're an imposter or what you are, but you you're complicate going against the narrative. You complicate the narrative. So I think she knows exactly what's going on. I think she does know that you are Booker, but you're just in this other dimension, this other universe, whatever you want to call it. And she's like, I don't care if you're really Booker or not. My Booker died for the cause. You being here is going to fuck that up. So you have to die. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I think she just, it's like Matt was saying, like, it's just that I don't care. doesn't matter. This is what I want. This is what we're going to do. It's going to happen. Like, in my world, 
you died and it, it gave us power and we were able to, you know, go against them and win. So you being here complicates that. So you have to die. Doesn't matter if you're an imposter, if you're the real thing, like you still have to go. That's the why I saw it because she's so close to the family. I think she would know about all that stuff. She was there the whole time. The symbol of the martyr doesn't work if the martyr is alive. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. There's, yeah. He's not a martyr if he's alive. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I just feel like she knew that it really was him, but it doesn't matter. Like, this is too big of a thing for you to complicate, so you have to go. Yeah, and eventually you got to the part where she kills Fink, uh, and you're trying to stop it, but uh, I didn't even know this, and it's just thrown out of nowhere. As you're, as you're trying to fight and get to Daisy so you can get the airship, she, uh, she is now about to kill Fink's children. And, oh, okay, uh, so I know that was his kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, that's, that's what she's saying. She made this line, just like, when you pull in the weeds, you can't just pull the weeds. They're just going to grow back, insinuating that, like, you know. It's kids what, will be just as bad. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she's like, you got to pull them up by the roots. Mm. So as she's about to do that, Elizabeth, not wanting to see the slaughter of children, goes and brutally takes her out of the pair of scissors. That was, that was pretty intense. Yeah. I, I was actually real like, I you know, you see, you see uh, event. Or, uh, orchestrated deaths in that way but they're like I have to say like I think that the true the truest to form like what really sells like Elizabeth is just her animation just everything mm-hmm. about her like everything's so intentional and they're like you're literally you see her hands tremble you see her lips quivering like just this woman that you like wide eyed when you're trying to approach her and like try yeah. to console her like just yeah, yeah. And it, let's give it up for that voice cast. That voice cast is amazing in this entire fucking game. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I it, completely agree. No um, I I kind of want to touch on that because it brings up a good point. And like I said, this is things that I've heard, but I, I I feel the same way. So I feel like I can comment on it. Um, that scene in particular was one of my all time favorite scenes of the entire game. I absolutely loved it. I love the idea that you're behind the glass. You can't do anything. You can't change or, you know, interfere in any way, shape, or form. But you see it happening, and you see Elizabeth kind of have this transformation, this change. And especially when, you know, she actually does the deed of stabbing her, and the blood's everywhere, blood's on the ground, blood's on her. Like, it makes me feel like that's her own personal baptism. You know, whereas Booker was baptized in the water, you know, or com- you know all that other things, like it was baptism in water. Like, she's being baptized by blood. And like I, I think Matt and I, you, you and I talked about that with right. when you're in her tower and you see like her menstruation, like you see that was like, you know, her first like change that she had in her life, and then this is the moment where she had another change, and then all, all of her almost changes in- are by yeah, all of her changes are by blood, whereas uh, Booker's are Booker's all by water. water, yeah, yeah, purity, yeah, yeah, because the fact that you know like once she does that deed and that action, that's when she you know cuts the hair, changes the clothes, and that's you know her transformation. And it happens every time with blood. Blood's always the trigger. And that's why that moment for me was so moving. Because I was like, she's done this thing. Because the whole time you see, you know, she's seeing Booker gruesomely killing people with, like, no disregard. And then when she actually does it herself, like, she's changed. And she's just like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And I just, it was the most, maybe with the exception of the ending, one of the most impactful parts of the game, in my opinion. Like, just completely blew me away. It was one of the points too. It was it was the bridging uh, factor that where Booker 
essentially for the first time fully acknowledge and and sympathize for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. If you know up until this point, Elizabeth was just a means to his own personal end. He was, he was rather careless and selfish with her, and then you know he's slowly g- gaining some attachment, and then just seeing her do that and the effect that it has on her, he he relates because ultimately there's one point where she she just she buckles down. She's like, "How do you do it? How do you erase it? How do you erase the things you've done?" And she he goes up to her and he says, "You don't." You, you just yeah. <laughs> you just learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And that 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 was the the big factor right there. That's when I knew, like you know, that he had he had gained like this this a connection with her, and and it only enhances from there. Yep. So uh, after this, this is essentially when we get the airship, and uh, Songbird just fucks it all up. Uh, and where do they go from here? I'm kind of fuzzy in this area. Um, after they get the airship, that's when so, they get attacked by the songbird on the airship. Right, but where do they go right. from there? Songbird brings the ship down. They uh, see. Oh God, I'm trying to remember. They he go to the. Moved, they go to the. Uh, he moves yeah. the piano. Comstock and, house. Yes, I think they're on their way to Comstock house. Yeah, they get and to, this um, is the fun part. <laughs> yeah, they okay. get to um, oh, shit, whatever that place is called, like the uh, little garden pavilion area around Comstock House, just before you get to it. Right, and they they decide that there's no way that they'll be safe to escape without taking out Comstock. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So at this point, this is the famous part, the Lady Comstock area. So <laughs> essentially, what's going on is you're trying to confront Comstock in his home, but. Uh, Apparently, there's no access to his home unless you're blood. This is recognized after you get through the mobs and mobs of fucking dudes that even though Elizabeth is wearing Comstock's attire, she is not recognized by blood. Which, funny enough, is a is a huge indicator from that point because even if she wasn't, it it, it does some sort of genetic scan or something that indicates uh, that she she should be recognized otherwise. So does it's a hand, it does a handprint scan. So it's actually looking for Lady Comstock's handprint. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, I forgot about that. But still Okay, yeah. All right. So James debunked my theory there cuz I don't know. I got the feeling it, it, it immediately alluded him like, "You know what? This whole like Comstock's her father, Lady Comstock's her mother. Like that's not really the case with her." Like that's when I that when it clicked with me. But that, that that first initial part when you go to her monument and and Booker again like for the first time he's really trying to he's he's humanizing her he's trying to treat her like a human instead of a thing and she's just like yeah. no like let me do it like he like at this point like Booker's always really acknowledged that there's a point of no return from him uh as a you know morally and, and humanely. But now, like he's he's taken real concern over like this change in Elizabeth, to where she's willing to do some things that are, are are a bit unspeakable, like cut off her dead mother's hand to progress, you know. And and he's taking issue with that because you know there, like there's this innocence that we were sold on Elizabeth that's almost that's almost completely gone now, in a matter of a day. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. It's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a big key factor. But then, yeah, I don't know. That's the part where, 
Like, even then, I'm really trying to make sense of it, even narratively. Can we all agree that the Lady Comstock part, it's just, it's just some fucking lazy shit. Yeah, I, I, I you know, honestly, like, I was trying to pay attention throughout that entire thing. I still couldn't understand what was going on. It just, it, it just didn't feel fleshed out like everything else in the game. It just, Here, I didn't understand it. I didn't know, like, the fact that, you know, she's talking to her and... I just I didn't pick up on any of it, so, I, and honestly, I don't feel like it added to anything. It didn't really add to the narrative. It didn't add to like Elizabeth finding out who she is and what she can do. I just, I just don't think it added anything. I think that that part was just like, okay, we gotta throw a boss at you, kinda. So here you go. Well, what that part was, as far as I picked apart, is essentially when Comstock. You there's basically the way that uh, Elizabeth's powers are monitored uh, are through siphons, and there's one place right under Lady Comstock. He uses that to attack and otherwise use Elizabeth's power to open up a tear, but uses a tear to bring back Comstock, Lady Comstock alive and then imbue her with what Elizabeth feels uh, as uh, her, her basically her cognizant view of Lady Comstock and then physically manifests that into her, which basically combines like basically makes her an angry like takes her dead ghost and instead of like incorporates it into a physical thing uses elizabeth's feelings to make her a fucking like she it's kind of like poltergeist if you've ever really watched that movie like that's where that a lot of that fucking a lot of that was lifted from i just didn't care for the fact that it's still lazy nonetheless and the fact that you're fucking shooting a ghost with bullets yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. When we say it's lazy, it's lazy for irrational. Like lazy for irrational is like probably like just you know like groundbreaking for other companies. I mean, I don't want to be partial, but I, for that to be the worst part of the game, it's still not that bad. I think speaks volumes yeah. about what they can do as a production. It's still pretty um, bad. It's I, I didn't have any problem with it, but I wasn't playing on hard. I honestly didn't have a problem with it. I, I felt it was. The weakest part of the game because it was the most game part of it, like quote unquote game part of it, you know, like it, like it's like when Walking Dead tries to make it itself into a video game every so often. You're like, this sucks. Stop doing that. Like, stop trying to force yourself into this, you know, position where you have to do something you see in other video games. You don't have to do that, you know. Like, I just felt like I'm forcing it upon us. Like, it didn't have to be there. But well, like for example, the ending kind of takes cues, like that ending sequence. But the ending sequence is brilliant. I had fun with it. I had yeah, fun I had with fun the very with last battle. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but so while we're while we're in the graveyard, I do want to touch on this because I think I mentioned it when uh, the three, like Matt and, and James, were, when we were all together. I brought this up, and I, I'm kind of curious about if you did this, George. Um, when you're in the graveyard, you have that building, that mausoleum right next to Comstock's, and you have the piece of gear. Do you know what I'm talking about? It sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, so there's a little, little like mausoleum thing here, like oh, right yeah, next to Oh yeah, yeah, and there's a radio that plays different um, songs. Is that what you're now talking that, about? Now that 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 that's that's a little further back, you know, in front of her like burial site. Okay, but it's to the right of her. It, it's a little building, and it, there's like a piece of gear in there, but there's doors, and the doors are closed. And you see the gear, but you cannot. It doesn't seem like you can get to. I it know what you're way. talking about. I know what you're talking about now. All right. Now, did you ever figure out how to get that? No, I didn't actually. Okay, so I did just by just by chance, just by luck. Um, did either one of you guys get it, Matt or James? I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Okay. So the funny thing about this is, I was looking at, I was like, "Well, how the fuck do you open this door?" 
And I was, I, I honestly, because I, I was done with everything else in that part, I just wanted to get that fucking gear. Because I had, for some reason, I wanted to get every single piece of gear you could in the game. So I was sitting there for like a good 20 minutes, couldn't figure it out. I was walking around it, trying to see if anything would trigger it, see if there was like a code or something. And got pissed off and just started throwing shit at it, like Vigors. And I just so happened to have Devil's Kiss equipped, and I threw it. And, you know, the fire blazed, and then it like lit a torch. Apparently there's, there's a torch on the side of it. I was like, oh. Okay, that torch is lit. There's torches here. I didn't know that. And then, you know, you realize there's two torches. There's one on each side. And so you light them both, and Zelda, you know, opens the doors. I just thought it was kind of an Easter egg, but maybe not. But I just, I thought it was so weird that it was fucking there. Huh. It, I had no idea. It bizarre. It was, it was. And I, I don't know if it was, like, just there, like, you know, intentionally putting it there. or. And the gear was kind of shit anyway, so I was like, fuck. Yeah. A lot of the gear like, is shit. It kind of honest. is. I, I, I kept the same gear I had equipped from like the moment I started the game. Like The gear you get with the season pass, I was like, okay, I'm going to use this the whole time. <laughs> no, I, I, I used a lot of the gear that I found, but um, oh. that was it. I mean, I, I pretty much stuck like the boots that regenerate your shield faster. I don't think I ever took those off. Um, the vampire gear that allows you to take uh, the blood salt, where uh, like each death gives you more salt. I kept that one. Because, you know, like some of them are awfully pragmatic, like they're, and then some of them are just stupid. Like I remember, you know what? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, James was talking about how he used the gear that allowed his uh, fucking weapons to like shoot on them on the mo- on their own mm-hmm. when like you drop them. I thought that was like the stupidest fucking thing ever. So I'm just like, nope, I'll take the gear. That's the that 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 Comstock Lady Comstock fight is the only time I ever used that gear. I took it off immediately after that. <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, see, I don't know. I don't feel like a lot like, for example, um, there's a lot of the uh, slots that in Rapture that gave you uh, certain perks. I felt like a lot of those really catered to different play styles. The gear is almost, I don't know, the gear itself was a little lazy as well. Some of it is really cool. And then some of it, like, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like I don't know if it would have made or break my success. And I don't, you know, I kind of want gear to be that important. You know, as as difficulty gradually elevates. So I I honestly used the exact same gear the whole duration of the game. It was uh, my ammo uh, clip was like like increased by seventy five percent or something ridiculous. My critical headshots were increased by like fifty percent. Um, the the gear that lets you like chain your vigors when they when they attack an enemy, and I think I, I had to hit the handyman one equipped for a while because I figured if I do get into a handyman battle, like damage to it's increased by fifty percent. I just kept that There's on. There's a but... handyman one. Oh. Yep. God damn. Yep. Get, that I get that season pass. Oh, I get that season uh, pass. I Two did... games. No, oh, fuck that season pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't have any passes. issues with the handyman. To fucking don't talk to me. Season pass. Get it now. <laughs> God damn it. There we go, folks. I just had to buy my way into success. That's what I always do. That's what he does. I told I told Andy I picked up Magic the Gathering. He's going to buy all the packs that are trying to unlock them. So that's kind of yep. what. Yup. Yup. I do. Anyway, so we're in the Comstock house now after you fight through her three different times. I mean, we've pretty much touched on her enough. And if anything... I think if any, uh, what it did it did add narratively is it helped Elizabeth understand, like her place in the matter because she put so much blame on her. Because even then she's like, 
I have no sympathy for a parent who abandoned their child in a fucking tower for over 18 years. Fuck yeah, I'm cutting off this dead broad's hand. And <laughs> then she, like, you know, learns that she was a victim in it just as much. I mean, Comstock killed her to silence her just as he tried to silence Daisy and everybody else. Like, And then pl- places it on Daisy only to gain political ground. So that, like, it, it kind of really, from that point, that's when you truly learn just how deluded... Or, yeah, just deluded and evil Comstock is. Because even then, like, it's almost like, does he believe his own religious fucking bullshit? He's, he is his own zeitgeist. So that's what, like, that's what really, I don't know, that's what really set apart Comstock for me as opposed to Andrew Ryan or Fontaine. And that's that's something I really enjoyed out of the antagonist. That, like, there was a surprising amount of depth and emphasis on this antagonist and what he did. Right. But, um... So, in, in in just just everything that he fucking manipulated in the process, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So in the house, you're you're then again this time pinned by Songbird. And it looks like you're about to be fucking aced out, but uh, Elizabeth's just begging and pleading for your life, and then just essentially saying like, "Please, just fucking, I'll go with you. Don't, don't, I'll go with you." And like, I don't know. The the bird like mannerisms and just fucking creepy and the like the change of eye color and the fact that she's taken away and then that that zoomed in fucking moment dude that made my heart sink when she zoomed in and you just see her mascara running and she's bawling and Booker just barely misses her reach and he and like Songbird's fucking gone he uh he makes it a personal journey to fucking go to Comstock House all the way. And that's when you realize, without even knowing it, that you went through a tear because it starts snowing. And shit's insane. And yeah, you kind of encounter a new enemy type. So let me uh, let me drop this bit of knowledge. Uh, so as you're going through the Comstock house, you fight a lot of George Washingtons, I believe, or Andrew... Andrew... They're, they're George Washingtons, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they were George Washingtons. I don't know if there's some Andrew Jacksons in there, but uh, George Washington... Yeah, no, it is George Washington because he's celebrated... George Washington is a yeah, fucking celebrity. They celebrate him, I ben think, Franklin, Thomas ben Franklin, Jefferson. and Jefferson, which is kind of ironic that they celebrate Jefferson so much. But okay, yeah, <laughs> only because <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel you there. Yeah, yeah, but you know, um, oh, what anyway. history. See yeah, what I did I, there? <laughs> you, uh, you remember that? What do you, what do you, the thing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh? that's some that's some sirloin. Anyway. Um, so yeah, those moments, I really, there, there's this, uh, basically this, this horn beacon or the, the, the sin detector. Okay. So yeah. And those dudes are fucking strong. They don't have guns, but man, they take, they take a lot of bullets to put down. And the worst part is loot wise, they're empty. So like, you're just wasting resources (laughs) on it. You you know what the worst, worst part of that is? Uh, What? The, the one you only really have to fight them one time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I learned that, and I didn't know that till the very end. I was like, "Oh, I could have just fucking snuck around that big horn fucker, and I could have been fine." But no, no. I did. I snuck them. I did. I didn't know until the very end. And then the very last encounter, I was like, "Oh, I can hide behind this guy. If he doesn't see me, I'm fine." And sure enough, I walked right past him. I was like, "Oh, fuck! You gotta be kidding me!" Because yeah, they're fucking tough, and they gang up on you a lot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they do. I was they're pissed. I was they're pissed. very, very difficult. The bucking bronco shotgun combination is invaluable, and lucky mm-hmm. enough I had it in the first encounter. Yep. Um, but yeah, 
once you get through that, the whole time you're getting through that, you basically you are slowly hearing and like I think that that to me was definitely the most emotionally gripping part because again, yeah. as James mentioned, like the acting in this game is phenomenal and like you hear like Elizabeth suffer. I mean yeah. really like it it really tugs at your heartstrings just like the unbridled cruelty that she endures. And then as you're hearing through the voxophone, you're hearing that like, she's just slowly broken and then you reach her. And then when you do reach her, the dreams that Booker keeps talking about that, like he he's envisioning as a possible omen are like happening right in front of him. And like Columbia Comstock was always readying Columbia to, to launch an assault on like what he believed was false America. So like it was always like this subtle thing that you just see brought to life and this broken Elizabeth and this and like just Booker. Like Booker like the drop and balsetto within his voice and and just like you hear his voice cracking. Like I Oh my god like and, 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 and like I think the thing that really like came at me is like you see your home in flames, like New York is fucking destroyed. But that's the like all the cameras focused on like what Elizabeth has become. Like that that was really insane. I don't know how you guys felt about that part. That that again I don't know, that's when the story really came around for me. I was honestly quite like just speechless at that point. Just kind of like, did I fail? Like, what the hell is going to become of this now? And the fact that she's like still so self-aware of what she's doing is still wrong, and like, but she can't. She can barely help it now. She's like, I'm just. This is what I am, but I will tell you how not to become me. Uh, make sure it doesn't happen because I will do this. I will destroy this again and again and again. Uh, if you don't, and it's not, and the fact that she admitted that it wasn't the torture, it wasn't indoctrination. It was just a matter of time that she was just meant to do this if he doesn't succeed. And it was, a, it's a, it's, it's kind of like a, it was like that moment where you get the first get the grenade launcher in Tomb Raider, where also you're just you feel empowered. Like I'm just gonna take everybody out. Uh, it's the same sort of thing where like you just get back in the times like, oh, I have to do this. I like I will do this. Uh, because I, you don't want to see her broken like that. You don't, this is somebody you've grown so attached to, so almost in love with that to see her that way, it, it almost breaks your will to even keep playing, but you have to, it's, it was a very strange moment. It was, was, it's kind of like, Oh, it was, no, it's a lot like the ending of red dead. Where you finally get to play as John's son, and you're just like, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking God kill that guy!" Damn it, that's a spoiler <laughs> tag. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> oh, fuck you! Everyone's played Red Dead. This yeah, yeah. Sta- but, stat- uh, oh, what? what? <laughs> no, no, but seriously, yeah. Statue limitations also up on that too. Sorry. No, y'all. no, we're spoiler tagging that. Ah, uh, okay. Spoiler well, tag, it, 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 it's it's catchy at least, so that's good. It is yeah. catchy, but um. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. And, like, I, I guess I had forgotten that 
he was having those visions of like New York burning. Like I just forgot that had happened. So like when it, you see it and you walk through the door and you're like, oh shit. And like I love how you know you see like the ticker that says 1984 and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know how they've been alluding to like you know that time. You know, and a couple of the tears, the music, the 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 like the, the actual um the the movie like the marquee that says you know like I think James was saying it's like it was like Revenge of the Jedi. No, it's, yeah. Which, well, well, it says Revenge of the Jedi, but it became Return of the Jedi. But it was like, you know, before it was actually released, it said Revenge of the Jedi, and you know, it's all placed in 1984, and you're like, oh fuck, like Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun came out in 1984, and that yeah, that's so it, playing. It, it all ties together finally. I'm like, oh well, shit, George okay. Orwell's, George Orwell's uh, 1984. Yeah, it all ties together. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Like now I see why that's so significant. And then, you know, it all kind of like put together. And yeah, just seeing her broken like that and just seeing how she's like, like, it's it's far too late for me. Like, this is it for me. You know, just just please try your best to, you know, make sure this doesn't happen. But yeah, I it was pretty impactful. And yeah, I mean, you're right. It feels like it's like a it's like a can't win situation. Like, like, I don't know if I can do this, but like I have to. I have to try. Right. So I can do. Well. Even then, I mean, if we can also go ahead and uh, j- just set aside the fact that, you know, with, with, with the matter of time, I mean, she did held on to one thing that, like, but, like, there was one moment that, you know, that did give me the, you know, cliche of what I'm about to mention, hope, and she mentions it. Like, he was my first hope, and then he, he disappeared, and now, now that I see it, he is my last. So she did anticipate him. Mm. She knew he'd come. Yeah, but uh, it when almost you... sounds like it almost sounds like this is the furthest that it's happened. Like this is the furthest you've got in in all these different you know iterations and variations. Like this is the furthest you've ever gotten. When you do eventually you know pick yourself back up and you get to the Comstock house and you're and you're seeing the very first. Uh, you know, work being done with Elizabeth, quote unquote, work, and you see her basically strapped and and being indoctrinated and and tortured, uh, and you liberate her. Just that that fucking moment. I don't know what you pull out of her spine. That that fucking the, the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> something something. But man, and then just basically help tying up her corset and comforting her. That was a uh, that was pretty insane, to be honest. I don't know. That was that at that point. That that's when I feel like Booker's gone full circle and like New York is not even an option anymore. He just he almost says like we can take out Comstock or we can just go to Paris. Like the whole time, these two kind of don't like they the responsibility isn't really theirs to take and they've only had escape on their minds. But now it's like they they want to escape it, but responsibility for for ending it is all they can think of. And what's funny is this, in my opinion, was the most chilling moment of the uh, entire game is where they they kind of reflect back on the entire game at this point, because now we're leading the charge to Comstock Zeppelin. And Elizabeth is just really soaking in everything that's happened with Booker. And she's she's just trying to get a better grasp of Booker. And she asks him, Booker, are you afraid of God? And he says, no, but I'm afraid of you. 
It's I love it. My fr- that's my favorite quote from the whole thing. Honestly. Yeah, and the fact that they that the fact very, that they say it, that they say it right at the very beginning just makes it all yeah. the worthwhile. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. So and it's like I was saying it, like you have that Dr. Mayhem moment, like you realize that she kind of is more like she's almost as powerful as a god. Like she has control over time and space and Well when he like disconnects the siphons and in order to escape she calls out a tornado and even mm-hmm. threatens uh even threatens uh Booker with her and just like, What are you gonna do to stop me? You can't yep. do shit at this point. And if you don't you're not gonna help me, I'll rip this whole city apart. You know, it's like, I mean, Booker's got investment in it, but at the same thing, he's like, well, if I, if I don't help you, you'll destroy everything. Yep. So, but then, but then eventually he does realize there is one thing you can do, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Yep. So that, at that moment, I mean, we're really just, we've kind of touched on the combat. We've touched on everything else. I think it's about time we get to the ending. Well, actually, no, no, no. Let's uh, talk about Comstock. yeah, there's one other encounter that you'll face, yeah. and, and I love I love how as you go through this, like it was the most, it was pretty underwhelming. I mean, does anyone else agree? Uh, it was Andrew Ryan, the second. Yeah, just like, yeah, like, like instead, instead of a golf club, it's you know, uh, uh you know, it's it's water, which you know I, I, we've always referenced back to water. But to keep I had in mind, issue with that until then, yeah. Yeah, until the ending, I had I was just like, God damn it, this is just fucking Andrew Ryan again. But you know, <laughs> to be honest, we were like that with Andrew Ryan until we found out about Would You Kindly, and then the fact that Andrew Ryan says that repeatedly as he's handing you the golf club, mm-hmm. it all came together. So well, with the fact it kind of makes sense too. It, it it's, it's like you, you go through that thinking he's the enemy the entire time. Like this guy is the one that's been fucking up everything. Like he has to go, and then. When it finally happens, you realize, okay, fuck, he wasn't the guy I was supposed to take down. This isn't the reason why everything's been happening. Like, like who's the real villain? And then, you know, then that all happens. Well, right. he he's just only a facsimile of the villain. Mm-hmm. He is still yep. a component of the villain, but in in the sense, like, you know, drowning him only perpetuated the cycle. It's like it's almost like if he killed him in any other way, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just weird because again, any it, it might fucking, have worked. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the one mind fuck of this entire thing. Had he just fucking bashed his temple one more time into that goddamn basin of of a fountain, one more like dude, he took like three shots to the temple. Like I would have been fucking brain dead at that point. Anybody would have. But no, you know he still had a little bit of sense left to kind of provoke Booker into fucking drowning him, mm-hmm. like a baptism. So and and yeah. I even like how they even reference that at the very beginning in in the tower. When you first are getting ready to ascend the stairs, there's that little basin there that you can, you know, wash your hands, wash yourself of the sin. And, like, you actually have that moment, that little cutscene where you look down into it and you see your reflection. I was like, fuck. Like, well, once, that, I, once yeah, I realized that, that, I was like, what the fuck? They had that in the lighthouse, too, when you first walk in. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, like, shit. The whole, like, like, about it. the whole time they've been telling us, they've been putting these fucking breadcrumbs there. I just never... Never saw like I said, it. after you, after you play through it, you try to play through it again because I've, I've mm-hmm. tried to like James did do nineteen ninety nine mode. It like it, it gets you you start seeing all these signs where like there's no way you could have pieced it together. Just, no, no, I mean there's no way. I mean yeah, you're just going but... through it and it's just this really like the game got under your skin before, but now it's even worse because you're just like all of this, every last bit of this is leading to this moment. And now that you know it, you feel like you feel like again, it's like I'm just repeating the cycle over and over and over. Like playing through the game again just perpetuates the game's theme. 
and and you realize you'll actually realize uh in the beginning they they hint at the ending at the very beginning of the game yeah like are you talking about the quote yeah when they're when they're rowing and and then like uh lutest tells like the and and those are two characters we haven't talked about yet which i think are two best characters in a game period i love those two assholes but uh like when you're when they're rowing the rowboat up and, and she's like you know why don't you have him row and he goes well he never rose and he's like and she's like what are you talking about it's like no he never rose because he never rose the boat up to the lighthouse in any of the alternate realities and they exist in all realities at once so it's yeah. like they know exactly what they, they're talking about hell i've even talked about the quote at the very beginning where like the subject will uh, create uh, his own memories, something along those lines, like create memories where there are none. Like right from the get-go, I mean, they're telling you pretty much everything you're seeing is not necessarily real. You know, not everything you see is going to be at, you know, is not going to be what it is at face value. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, the game is pretty much tell, like giving you a mind right from the get-go and you don't ever see it coming. It's mm-hmm. very, you know, damn you, yeah. Kevin Levine. You're amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I just don't know if people know or if it's just like it's the one thing that creeped me out about that watch i just go back to that real quick is uh, did you guys touch on this at all the the person like the the body uh, uh yeah there is one body there but i on the chair with like like bludgeon the death with the yeah. with the sign that says like don't disappoint us like yeah. what it who is that like i just i don't know uh, okay, I guess there's two male great mysteries about uh, uh, Infinite. It's like, who the hell is that guy? Pete, I mean, people have said it's Booker. People have said it's, you know, it could be different things. But I, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I, we'll find out. Just the one thing I, I I wanted to mention, yeah, we haven't really touched too much in the Lutesses because they, mm. are, they are really the catalyst behind the whole thing. They figured, yeah. they figured basically all this out, and Comstock is essentially using them. And, and it also... Funny enough, they they they've incorporated everything every everything right down to the actual technology that that Columbia floats on. Basically, they use uh, helium with quantum particles that constantly go. And what's funny is there was an uh, this game's been so impactful that scientists have now learned that there isn't enough helium in the world or even components in the world to make the helium necessary to generate Columbia. And in any way, so it's always funny because. Um, Bioshock did the same thing to where they, they uh, Bioshock uh, Rapture cannot physically exist just because of the uh, the underwater pressure and just the the physical like the physics behind it alone would not last for more than a week. So it holds it holds up to my theory of science of science fiction where like science fiction is science fiction uh, science up to the point where now it's just fucking magic. Yeah. You know, there's like always one element, like a Mass Effect, where it's like, oh yeah, like this is all really scientifically based. It's all physics, and then uh, element zero. (laughs) But wait, wait, that shit's magic. Which works for me, but oh yeah, it's just funny that it incorporates that way. But these these siblings essentially have have done everything, and they they are the ones that are responsible for realizing because like there's this religious undertone, and like. I really feel like I don't know if it's really touched upon, but I really feel like the prophet that they they always speak of, and like the fact that she's being groomed to be the prophet, because uh, Comstock ultimately wants that flaming America to happen. Comstock knows who the real prophet is, and it's Elizabeth because she has, as as 
Andrew touch upon, like, I really feel like she is the second coming of whatever you anyone would consider to be a god. So I don't, I don't know. That essentially, I mean, that's that's almost what it's like. A little bit, bit more of that will be touched on when we get really to the end, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean should, we, should we just roll into that? I mean, we kind of. I kind of want there. Yeah, I just kind of want to touch on here from like the Lutesses. I kind of feel like yeah. they, they kind of. I wish they had a bigger role, but at the same time, they're they're just fucking cheeky, man. Like, I, and like, <laughs> I just love every time. I was like, why do you guys keep on showing up here? <laughs> I like, oh, I know. I love it that at one point Booker's just like, yeah, I figured you'd disappear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, it's, they're they're probably two of my favorite characters in the game. I mean, I love Elizabeth as as far as like a constant companion, but I like I like any time that they come up. I like right. it. Every time well, you see them, you're kind of like, oh, what are they going to do now? I want to see it. Yeah, but I, they almost have like this, uh, you know, oh God, what's his name? This uh, Gogo from Tiny Toons Adventures or the... The go- oh, Dodo uh, Dodo Gogo. Yeah, Dodo Gogo. They have like th- this very almost like Cheshire cat like uh, ambiance with them to where like, you know, uh, Andrew's been using that reference a lot of the time. They they themselves ha- were the initial Dr. Manhattans. They they their science took them because you find us out through voxophones that their science took them down a rabbit hole too far. And in the process, Robert Lutes like was completely lost uh, you know, in the ether of space time and Rosalind saw no other choice, but to follow him out of brotherly love. And then they become these omnipotent beings. Sort of brotherly love. They're not even really brother and sister. The same person, which makes it really weird. Yeah. The same person, just in different, different different universes, different places. Yep. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't able to figure that out. Yeah. They're exactly the same, except obviously the bro, the uh, guy has a Y chromosome. Other than that, they're exactly the same. Well, no, one's a one's a fatalist and one's something else. They well, really, like, was it was what it is a fatalist? What? What does that mean? Oh, sorry. Let me let me let me bring up Wikipedia and look. Oh, Sweet. Okay. Well, if <laughs> I remember, like, Roger, like, is it that is that the guy's name? Roger. Robert, right? It's Robert Rob- Lutes and Rosalind. Right, thank it you. almost uh, sounds like she creates them in some way, you well, know, she, like. She really manifests the technology, but Robert, after feeling bad for what he's done, basically forces her to help him. And but she's, you know, obviously because she, you know, loves him or whatever they can really feel because they seem like they're such so detached from typical human emotion. I don't know what the hell they feel, really. They only feel for each other. Exactly. Yeah, that sort of thing Uh, that she just kind of goes along with it because, well, I mean, if he wants to, I'll, I'll I'll support him. That sort of thing. She doesn't really want to, but I mean, but she her, kind of he forces her into it. Yeah. yeah, her curiosity and her love for him is enough to get her to go along with it. Yeah, that's the one thing I was trying to decipher really from the voxophones that they were. I thought they were two ordinary scientists. Well, not ordinary, but incredibly gifted scientists that just fucking played God in in a time and place where they shouldn't, and it, and it, it helped. It was the catalyst for everything. Because at yeah. that point, they were even, they're the ones that are able to predict who, uh, you know, how Elizabeth will come to be. And that's how they target Booker. Yeah, Booker, they have to work on the same thing at the same time. And it just went weird. Yeah. Okay, I, I figured it out. Okay. <clears throat> Rosalind, Rosalind believes that nothing can change everything set in stone. Robert thinks that people have a choice and that they can make, they can change things with their own decision making. So that that's why... That's why, you know, like the one of the first times you see them, they have that sandwich board with heads. 
the heads and tails. Yeah. Heads and tails. And and uh, Rosalind's like, yeah, you're never you're never gonna win this one. Like that, because she because she believes that everything happens as as a strict point. It, you can't change it. And he and he believes the opposite. He believes that things can be changed. Hmm. That's so why it's always whole, heads. Yeah, you can always see this thing as like one big experiment for them. I mean, they want things to be okay, but at the same time, like they are just interested just to see how it plays out. Yeah, but there's there's observing every time it happens just to see, like, okay, exactly. And they're observing it uh, happen at all at the same time because they're like, you know, they exist everywhere at once. They're really they're gods at this point, technically. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. They've reached the omni, omnipotent levels that Elizabeth, because Elizabeth does, is restricted. Does get you. So, but like, okay, so oh, like, wow, we kind of we, we kind of touch on that a little bit. Like, you know, she does get that ability. So, how did they or it or whatever you want to call they it climb down a that? rabbit hole too far? Like, and they did, and they just became it. Like, yeah. like kind of kind of the same way that she gained that ability by being in There's, both at the same time and. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically, the way I figured out, because like I said, they were scientists that were just simply employed by Comstock to to get Columbia up and going. They 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 Comstock like pretty much rallied some of the best of the world's minds. Fink with his machinery and like and vigors. Funny enough, the dude who really uh, manufactured a lot of the vigors, he's he's only mentioned through through context he's not actually he has no presence in the game that's yeah. funny to me um but anyway uh yeah he gets all these people together and then he's slowly trying to do more and more uh with columbia and his whole goal is just exceptionalism like it starts off small with like columbia's interference with the boxer rebellion and and wounded knee and basically trying to distinguish America as not a power but the power, and the fact that that's not the direction that the government wants to recognize itself diplomatically amongst the world nations. So it it basically becomes separatists, and then from there, it, it, this is where it's a bit ambiguous. But you know, Comstock then you know basically comes across like it comes across the like fucking the existence of Elizabeth and essentially arranges for, you know, Elizabeth to be taken from Booker, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. Um, but yeah, I, it kind of goes into the fact that like he, he foresaw a flaming New York as that was what was alluded upon, uh, through dreams by Booker, other hints while he prophesied such a thing and kept it to himself saying he knew how it was going to end. Booker was simply having deja vu and premonitions of such a of such an event, and the fact that they changed that alone, well, they actually kind of technically don't change it until the very end. That's the one time anything significantly changes. It's kind of weird. I'm sorry, I just pieced something together that I didn't even intend to do so. Like, oh no, I I actually just did too. It was it's this really weird moment I just came to. It's um, it's an old Richard Dawkins. Uh, thought experiment where uh, God himself cannot be omniscient and omnipresent at the same time. He can't be, he can't set the rules in stone and see the future for what uh, as a linear path and be able to change everything at a whim. You can't, you basically can't have predestination and the ability to alter everything. Where and then you have the Latesses who are omni, uh, omniscient. They're everywhere at every time. They know exactly what's going to happen. And then there's Elizabeth 
who is omnipotent, who can change anything she wants, but can't see necessarily what's going to happen down the road, right? At least not until the very end. Uh, so it's like this weird, like they've decided to split God in half and give one sense to one uh, to one group or individual, whatever you want to call the Latessas, I guess, and one pe- path to Elizabeth. And you're kind of having this sense of Booker kind of being the prophet of this split God somehow. It's a really strange thought. It's like, again, this game like just messes with your perceptions. It's really nice. Yeah, and again, it combines like all these all these quantifications of, of what religion uh, explores itself to be on a mm-hmm. mystical level and then it imbues it with like string theory and quantum physics right. and parallel dementia. So, so essentially, can, yeah, I, I know. No, I would no. It's fine. I mean, we're, we're just now we're, we're, we're at the fucking buck end. So let, let's get, this is where it. everything starts coming together and like everybody's minds start getting like, you know, crazy racked. start just hating everything and just go no <laughs> and run away I, I literally got up and started running <laughs> and he never saw the ending he just put the control down right i did out. like i i started walking on like just bridges that appeared i was like nope i'm out fuck it i'm done uh-uh, uh-uh, shit, this, shit, this shit's just a matrix y'all that's all it is that's like, basically <laughs> Wake up what i thought the machine. yeah, Ma- yeah matrix much. i'm putting it bad fuck it oh man <laughs> so yeah, essentially what happens is, uh, Elizabeth, once you destroy the tower, which also was the last siphon that restricted her her potential, and she fucking viciously, like, s- sends off Songbird into its fate, uh, she does this all from when inside Rapture. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, like, seriously, the moment that happened, I was like, I I, I, I I hoped and I prayed that he would do it somehow. Like, or I say he, but just irrational. Like, let's not give credit just to one man. Like, although he is probably the person that, you know, evokes most of that. But, like, I just, I wanted them tied together somehow. I just didn't know how they do it. Or just to make it where it wasn't so, like, just obvious. Like, Columbia fell and fell into the water and became Rapture. Like, too obvious. You know, I just, like, yeah. how are they going to tie this together? And then when it actually happened, I was like, I was like, oh my god, we're fucking right back here. And I, I, I loved it. I, I, I didn't want to leave. I was like, I, I honestly thought right that the uh, lighthouse was going to be the only reference. Only because I didn't remember what the lighthouse looked like. It wouldn't even be a reference. It would be like an homage to it, you know? Exactly. It wouldn't be anything. Yeah. And then you get Rapture's like, holy hell, this is, now this is not an homage. Yeah. This well, is and, and, right yeah, It's here. right there. And, and, and you see like little Easter eggs throughout the game of like the wrench and, you know, things like that. And you're like, nope. Like, here it is. I kind of wanted to see, uh, Oh, I forget the guy's name from the first one. Oh, damn. I just want to kind of see like this sweater, this like naval sweater dude just run by out of the corner of your eye or something. Fontaine? Like, Jack? Uh, no, Jack. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Oh, like the, like the actual protagonist? Yeah, just like see a brother. Oh, that'd be, quick, so. wouldn't that be awesome? Like, hey. Read your memory file, your Xbox. <laughs> it's like, oh, what the hell? Wait a minute. But, uh, uh Jack, there you are. Oh, yes. silly, silly you. 
Um, I will say though that yeah, the the non like the first lighthouse, the actual initial beginning of Bioshock Infinite Lighthouse is a shanty piece of shit lighthouse. Yeah. And then once you um once you leave Rapture through the bathosphere with uh, all the fourth wall commentary from fucking Booker being like, this is stupid. Who the fuck would that. be it? Who the <laughs> who fuck would this? be? Who would do this? Who would be the city under <laughs> the ocean? Jesus. <laughs> I kind of wanted like Kevin Levine's face to pop out like Smokey from uh, Mortal Kombat. Like, ah! yeah, like, exactly. Back, back in. Just me, buddy. What's up? Hey. Walks in. Hi. I'm Kevin. Well, bye. <laughs> Gets on the radio or something. That'd be great. Seth MacFarlane just starts clapping and just like I couldn't have done it better. I mean, might as well. I <laughs> nice mean, fuck it. There's, there's so many just like. Like, just breaking that, that wall, you know, like you said, that proverbial wall, like, fuck it, you might as well. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to show up, like, all right, thanks for playing my game, goodbye. <laughs> might as well. He um, is the uh, songbird, he is the songbird. Oh, shit, it's Levine. <laughs> I'm from the oh, future, man. I became the songbird. Why are we treating the songbird like who shot Mr. Burns? It was him! <laughs> or it was him! Or it was her! Fucking, fuck <laughs> it! When the songbird died, it did the sign language symbol for K and L. Oh, no. It signed his name. Scratched it into the glass. That makes sense. Uh, Open the case to Bioshock Infinite. Lift up the instruction manual. Take out your reversible cover. Look at the inscription that was left on said reversible cover. Step six, kill self. Fucking who cares? (laughs) Now we need to make a 45-minute YouTube video explaining our theory yeah that's there we go oh i mean i i, I can't with a theory just recently booker dewitt big daddy uh, uh, bd oh time for me to go to youtube i it, it means everything i've unlocked it the key is here <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta make that reddit post damn it guys guess uh, what guys guys i just figured it out charts <laughs> is this what the, the rest charts. of the podcast is just going to be? Just us being assholes us, about theories? Uh, about theories <laughs> and making our own all the while? Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, man. Handyman and Big Daddies are all part of one family with big sisters and little sisters. And they were, I don't fucking, I'm just being nonsense. <laughs> that, 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 I, there was an actual was the, theory that songbirds and Big Daddies were like engineered the same way. But we won't get into that. See, that's the thing. There's the theories. We can make a podcast just about the theories, which I think we kind of did. I think we've already done that, which is uh, what here we're doing there. right now, pretty much. Here here, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, to, just to move on. Yes. Uh, now, now at this point, Elizabeth has full understanding and she's simply walking Booker through it. And yeah, she think, don't give no fucks. Oh, no, but okay. See, we're, this is the part where we're returning to that argument. She does. At the very end, because you're basically learning that all these predetermined events are happening. You're, you're noticing that it, it all starts with a lighthouse and it all starts with a man. It all starts with a city. Whether it's Rapture and Jack or Columbia and Booker, I mean, in some, in some way it's encapsulated. Because if you, if you leave Rapture, you're leaving Rapture as just a dimension. I love that. And, and that, like, that was the, the most choice way to fucking do it. Columbia... It's Columbia in, 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 in another name and another face, but still Columbia nonetheless. So moving forward, he's about to open that lighthouse door when he realizes what he has to do and, and smother Comstock. But you know what? We're missing a big part. So let's go to that big part. So you finally find the mystery. This whole time, we never really talked about it up until this point, but Elizabeth's had a physical deformity. 
even though she's been locked up in a tower with no memory of it, where she's missing half of her pinky, and it's covered up by a thimble. So you realize that Anna, this uh, woman, and the whole time, the game's really deceptive in that way, because the game basically alludes that Anna was a a lover of Booker's, and that she passed away giving childbirth. And, like, I thought that was, like, the only hokey part, like, you know what I mean? Like, that they had to lie about it. But in the, in the fact that he doesn't, he's not even sure himself anymore, and he, Booker may have fabricated that, That that's what kind of holds true to that whole thing. But, um, yeah, so just just that, that whole moment and the fact that Elizabeth's just hanging out in that room saying, you know, you can't leave this room until you give him the baby. I mean, I've seen it. You're going to give him the baby no matter what. You could protest it, but it's just simply going to happen, which it basically goes back to predetermination. And like the internal protests within kind of echo that theme, as you mentioned with Rosalind. So when you go through and then you're taken to that moment in that alley, that that fucking moment to where the Rosalinds, along with Comstock, are making off with your baby in a tear that's created through the baby. And and you're and you're wrestling Comstock for it, but you're overpowered, and eventually they escape, and all you're left with is a finger. Dude, that really hit me because at that point in the boat, when they go back, like that's probably like at the most emotionally broken you will ever hear, Booker. Yeah, I sold you. Mm-hmm. I sold you. And like that's it, it's insane because it's also the most human I've ever heard him. Just when he realizes what he did and you know what happened, that he 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 set all this in motion, like everything he's gone through, everything he's done was all because of him. And I don't know, it was a brilliant turn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it gets to the point where he's just so just 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 he's given up at that point that he's like, there's no other alternative. Like this is it. No, but he he kind of gets this new he gets this new drive. Like I want to do this. I need to take out Comstock. Now this is the part where I'm arguing over the loss of Elizabeth's humanity. She knows exactly what needs to be done, but she stops Booker and she says, "You don't have to open this door." Like she she alludes that like you know they're like he can go on in denial. He can just go on. Like it's almost as if she's forgiven him. Because he, like, she realizes he had no idea. He had no way of knowing. And she, he gently grabs and embraces her hand. And he looks at her and just like, after everything I've done to you, I couldn't do that to you. I have to make this right for you. And he goes on opening the door. Mm. And anyone who's lost their humanity would not have intervened the way she I- did. I guess I can see that part. It was just the actual, the act of it happening. Just, it seemed like she had no remorse and no sympathy. She just did it. At that you know point, what I mean? at that point, there was a point of no return. What remorse, they, they, they know, they know it's going to happen. It just like, it has pretty to be much done now. The, the one, the one act of remorse that she tried to share, like the one, like, here's like, please, like you can walk away. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, one, once that, like, and, and it goes very much to the theme again of Booker walking away. I mean, once he walked away, I mean, Things just happen. And at this point, I don't know. This is where it fight clubbed and it made a sense and it made sense. Like the fact that in all these alternate realities, the one inconsistent, the one choice that was made 
affected every other reality. The butterfly effect. The ultimate hemorrhage. And he and he dated. And you know what? I the just the brilliance of it and watching all the Elizabeths come together mm-hmm. and he got to spend his time with his daughter. And and, have his, and how and how fucking like just how fucking fitting is that moment where they're all surrounding you and they all embrace you one last time? Like it's exactly the moment in Bioshock one at the end when you save all the little sisters. Like I wanted to tear up just the moment I realized like, Oh my God, it's happening again. Like they're here. They're embracing me one last time before I go. And like, I, I just, I'm getting emotional to think about right now. It's like, fuck, it's happening again. But, you know, but this and, time, and, and, but, but, but so just quick. But this time they're, they're finishing what needs to be done. And he's, and he just slowly starts dying. And once he's dying, they all fade away because he fixed everything. I just like that they really didn't acknowledge that he was like true. They didn't truly like acknowledge that he was Comstock until he said, you know, I'm him or something. I lose that right as they're ducking him in. Like you basically you, the last the last thing that you play you hear in, as a gamer in it is his realization. Of what it is it hits you in the head. And then like, you no. realize that they're drowning him for a very specific reason. And it's ve- it's a it's they really don't give you room to breathe on it. He's like, wait, what? And then boom, you're down. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, what I, the I got the same hell? feeling. I, I still couldn't place it. I was like, wait, like Booker is Comstock. I was like, what yeah. The fuck's that like, mean? I, like I, I was it's like, it's what? Much like I'm him. Bye. <laughs> boom. You're done. Yeah. I, like oh shit. Yeah. I was Comstock the whole time. Dead. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm both. Then, yeah, yeah, that was it. Like, yeah, I was, I'm both, and boom, you're I, under the wall. I'm, I'm like, still having whoa. trouble kind of understanding that or realizing that. I'm not only because in the way, again, if you apply string theory with butterfly effects and quantum physics. Ah! Yeah, I actually, I agree <laughs> with George. Like somebody asked me about that earlier. It's like, were you having a hard time with it? Not really. No, I, I'm I, completely, I'm pretty much perfectly fine with it. No, because you realize that one thing, one thing, a butterfly's flap could cause absolute destruction at the other side of the world it's the butterfly talk, effect yeah if you're talking about time and space and dimensions and, and, and dimensions shit, one it, yeah, person I mean, walking away yeah. from something that basically argues the the idea of predetermination set all of this in motion yeah so the fact that him being booker or comstock depends ultimately on the baptism it depends yeah yes. it depends on whether baptism is okay, all about rebirth reincarnation yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's reincarnation under as, a different label. Yeah, he came back pretty much just a evangelical psychopath. He basically is like, the, um, I need to redeem myself, and I'm going to redeem myself in the most insane way possible. In the sky, and in yeah. other ones, he's just like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'll deal with this on my own. And he just walks away. And he becomes kind of not really a louse, but you know, just this fairly broken middle-aged man, you know, raising his daughter on his own. And Comstock, mm-hmm. not having a kid, is not only is he like evangelical, but he also feels insanely entitled. And when he finds out that the Tessas have seen him with a kid, he's just like, "Well, that's my kid. I I deserve it because I'm righteous." And so he decides he just figures like, "Well, I'll just rip her out of his hands. I'll make her into me, and she'll be mine, and that sort of thing." He becomes a totalitarian uh, lunatic. But that's not the true like ending, that. though, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah, so who all stuck around for after the credits? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I did because I've watched Marvel movies and I know what's to expect. You understand there's always something at the end. There's there's something. I figured they were going to get like tapas or something, but no, that wasn't what it was. 
And to be honest, like it, I love how ambiguous it is because it's now left to the interpretation of the player. Because yeah. the one thing about Bioshock Infinite within a title within its own, you know, you never really understand why it's called Infinite until you beat it. Yeah, right. and then you realize, yep, yep, totally. But it was like when when you saw the Elizabeth blinking out of existence, you heard the piano keys. Like every time one would blink out, you hear the key like bong bong. You know, it keeps on going in succession as each Elizabeth blinks out of existence, except for that last one. Like you see that last one, you're waiting for the note to hit, and it just goes black. And so you're like, okay, so it's it's an inception moment. Yep, it's it's a, it's a moment where the top just kind of shakes, but never falls. So you don't know if it really happened or not. And then same thing happens at the end of the credits. You don't you, you hear it, you kind of see it, but you don't know if that's what you're really looking at, if it's there or not. And it's just right. like you said, it's, it's it's up to you to think: is it a happy ending? Is it the start of a whole new thing? Like who knows? It can be though, because that's that's the beauty of its ambiguity is the fact mm-hmm. that I I could walk there and you know the fact I I can imagine that's that's me starting over right and being able to raise my daughter and I put it into Bioshock or as Matt and James have put it, it's just. It's just the cycle that's continuing. And as they mention it with every replay through, you know, the cycle embraces itself more and more. Or well, you walk like, up to the crib and it's a it's a finger. Well, it's, a <laughs> finger. it's just a it's just a sentient figure. Uh, <laughs> well, well, like, if they had edited it just on that note with like uh, with them just being blinked out uh, because like they're even tying it to Jack and Rapture himself. Like if it bleeds out, it might as well have just said like, "Well, that's it for this franchise. Bioshock has ended. We'll move on to another shocks, uh, another shock franchise like System Shock or something." But they, but they throw that in there. It's like, eh, no, nah, we're not going to kill it entirely. No, we can keep it going. You know, because otherwise it'd be like, "Well, we're just we killed it off. We're the dimensions are broken. The loop's over. We don't have to have a city and a man and all that sort of stuff." Although I, would I really hope they, I, I really hope they do because I, I, I love how that is like the tying, you know, that's like how it all intertwines together. So it's a um, man yeah. and a city and a lighthouse. I love that. I, I really, I hope that continues. Well, I want well, where the fuck else to they, the lighthouse? Where are they gonna go this time? Underground? Fucking In space. That's the only system way they shock. Could... <laughs> yeah. Now, the, now, does that thing that the system shock tie into this at all? Not um, really. No, no, it doesn't. Okay. Uh, okay. There's there's themes that are there. It's mostly thematically the same yeah. thing, but it's they're not. It's there's no obviously there's no lighthouse. There's no uh, direct. There's no moral parable really. I mean, it's mostly about social commentary more than anything else, and uh, the commentary of like technology and people pushing it too far. But that's really about it. Bioshock semicolon system new game. Yeah, it's coming out <laughs> exactly. I just hope we don't have to wait five years for it to come out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I. You know what? The fact was that the James, wait w- w- was the wait worth it. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. But still, like, you know, I was expecting so much more, and then the fact that James explained that like a lot of it got scaled back makes sense because I was just like, why does this not feel like what I was anticipating? Right. I kind of, you know, I would have waited longer to be honest if I got mm-hmm. a little bit more of that. Well, let, I mean, honestly, let's just wait to see what the DLC provides, and if the DLC is as... DLC is, as, is pretty much, hey, here's the game you guys wanted to play. It's a completely as, different mode. As long as they don't <laughs> throw out the DLC and say, okay, it's, uh, you know, like you have to see how many waves of handymen you can take out. Oh, like, as, long as, as long as it's story-based and gives information to the story and things that were alluded to but not really explained in great detail, 
I think we should come back maybe and just touch on it briefly if the DLC is as you know as much of a great experience as the full game is. If it, if it does add a lot more to the context and the, and the narrative, I think we should come back and maybe just oh, yeah, revisit it a little well. bit. I think it will. I I think if they're going to do DLC, because the only DLC add-on they've ever done, and this wasn't even irrational, it's just just 2K doing Bioshock, was Minerva's Den. I hear it's phenomenal. Yeah, Minerva's Den. And what's funny enough is Minerva's Den touched on racism uh, a little bit, and that was was the first time I really saw that, you know, because splicing and all that, they touch on all these other social facsimiles except for for racial persecution, and then here you see a game that features it as a central theme. Yeah. So, so I, I think the DLC is promising. So I, I'm sure they're not going to do it, you know, half-assed. I mean, they're going to do it yeah. right. I think so. So it should they, be pretty good. They've promised three DLC episodes at least. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I, still I waiting that. on that Bioware Jade Empire DLC, guys. So my hopes are riding hard. That's <laughs> why they voted EA as the worst company ever. Uh, it was strictly because of Jade Empire. It's entirely Makes because sense. of Jade Empire. Makes I absolute sense. I want my Jade Empire sequel. Even though Jade oh. Empire was Microsoft published. I don't care. Oh. EA, EA, got, <laughs> EA got the boot. Oh, man. That is... That makes me just, like, facepalm at this fucking community harder than ever. Not... No, I don't know. Like, this year, there was, what, Ticketmaster, which... I don't know. This year didn't have a lot... To, I don't know. For some reason, I'm just like, this year... Maybe last year was absolute a fucking monstrosity. We we had Bank of America like fucking over everyone through tax bailouts on mortgages they didn't fucking like keep the bill on, and then you had the biggest oil spill in consumer history from a from a conglomerate entity. But um, but none of us like the ending to a video game. So, <laughs> yep, yeah. Uh. You know, the, the dichotomy of endings. That's a feature I like. I'd love to write. So anyway, um, uh, anybody else got anything to say about the game? Uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be something that I hope that other developers can strive for in, in storytelling. And I hope that, that the further we get, you know, into storytelling in video games and it becoming more, of a, of a you know an actual driving force in the game as opposed to it being a video game it does i mean we've seen a lot of that in the last few months especially like you know in, in, into the end of last year and this year coming like this is what i wanted i've wanted storytelling i've wanted experiences in games you know like i've wanted this kind of thing for a long I, time i'm glad it's finally happening i, 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 I agree with that i actually yeah. went through a gauntlet of uh what everyone's trying to do with storytelling through sessions at GDC and uh, mm-hmm. Bioshock Infinite really picks up on all of the yep. all, all of the key factors but I, I, I do I, I just love how the game makes you think one thing's going on and then it just it, it does it it does it very subtly but you, you feel like you know what's happening you know what's going on and then you realize wow I didn't know anything at all like it's just me assuming as a gamer these are keys and cues that they're putting out I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I, I understand, like, this in games usually means this. And then it just totally flips it on its side. Like, nope, you didn't know shit. So and I this, love that. Made yeah. me made me stay on my toes. Made me keep I, on thinking about stuff. I mean, this is a this is a touchstone game in the history of games. It's something that more games should strive towards. I mean, it's possibly one of the most important narrative experiences on any platform in the past 10 years. 
I, I kind of want to, and I didn't mean to interrupt James, but uh, we got some Games Club uh, messages for through mailbag and feedback for social feedback. And though we've kind of run our course for recording time, there's one that I really want to touch. But uh, I'm sorry, I, I felt like what you were going into may actually answer this question. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. But let me go ahead and read this. And it, I chose this one out of all of them. So Jason, you done good. Not to slight the others, we just we got so lost into talking about it that we didn't really find an organic way of talking about it otherwise. But this was definitely... It's a great question because it was something we could say at the very end. So, the email writes, Hey guys, I was really excited when you first talked about the fact that you were going to do the Bioshock Infinite Games Club, which I assume would be your version of spoiling it as well as you've done with every other games club you've done. And the fact that everybody else was doing it I listen to you guys, and I can't help but figure that you guys would be the best cast to listen to. Since I first heard you guys, all you've really done is cite Bioshock as one of the best examples of video game history. The fact that you guys always alluded to doing a Bioshock Games Club within itself has intrigued me to enough to where I was excited for this particular Games Club. And listening to you read this now, I want you all to ask yourselves, in your minds... What was overall the most revolutionary between the two, and will stand as the most revolutionary? Bioshock or Bioshock Infinite? Please, fight over it. Thanks, Jason. Hmm. Yeah, he's kind of a dick, but yeah, he kind of brought it up, and I don't know if you realize this, Andrew, do we... I think we do really talk about Bioshock a lot since we've done this podcast. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. It comes up in almost every Game of the Year discussion we have. Well, um, I think the most important, let me just touch on it first. The most important is the first Bioshock, because I think it took, it basically pointed in the direction what games in the future should be. Exper- like full narrative experiences with, with, with gameplay in them. And, and what Bioshock Infinite did was perfected it. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, it's pretty much like what Metal Gear Solid did. It's like kind of like the rebirth of the modern gaming era with the cinematics and storytelling as convoluted as it got. Uh, where, where definitely I agree with you, James. Where like Bioshock comes out and it shows that you could combine atmosphere, art design, character uh, twists, and they could make a cinematic gaming experience without cinematics. They could put you into the narrative like a novel and make you want uh, need to go forward and uh, explore this world, to uh, be enticed and intrigued and absorbed by the story. Uh, to And not even just be absorbed by the story, but to actually have a story that requires you to think more, to, uh, to put together things on your own without having to hold your hand, that you need to find the uh, Vox phones, to find, or in the case of Bioshock, to find the... Uh, the recordings to piece together a world that you're not really told much about, but that you feel compelled to learn more about. It's basically uh, a full-on immersive experience with a story that just uh, touches you at a certain core that you just can't get anywhere else. It's uh, you're you're right though. Bioshock starts that. Infinite takes that to a whole other level. It's it's very it's a it's a real tough one to really nailed down maybe it's maybe bioshock if it's kind of like the stepping stone for the next generation to show that like 
you know, yeah, graphics are going to be great. Processing is going to be great. But you can still have an amazing story that you have to have an amazing story to make any of that really matter. I... It's kind of like how Star Wars changed sci-fi forever, and then Empire Strikes Back perfected the Star Wars formula. I, and then I, Return of the Jedi is kind of like, meh. Meh. <laughs> that's, that's Bioshock 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to be a big daddy, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess so. That was fun. Um, so I kind of had time to prepare for this, being as, you know, I, I'm the one that checked the mailbag, and uh, the best way I can answer this question is between the two, uh, Bioshock is the better game. But Bioshock Infinite is the better experience. Yeah. Uh, game-wise, game-wise, Bioshock, I, I really feel, is much more well put together than uh, Bioshock Infinite. But to keep in mind, Bioshock Infinite was a little bit ambitious game-wise. Uh, I will say, though, that Bioshock did a lot of compelling things with like the philosophy of man and, and, the, and the approach of one, you know, innovative way to thinking completely turned into this dystopian nightmare. And, you know, other than a lot of unique uh, approaches to the story and, and the fact that it it compelled the player to such an extent that it had a really in-depth narrative, the narrative in all, in all contrasts and purposes and scope is still incredibly humble and possesses all these insane familiar story beats that we've really heard told in one way or another. Bioshock Infinite breaks the fourth wall, strings together, like, science in such a manner that it dissects the human brain and then puts it back together and leaves you an emotional mess in the process. And the fact that a game can change and and undoubtedly do this to someone ultimately speaks a testament alone that, you know, they, they, they all... Ultimately, focus on one facet of the game over the other, and I applaud 2K for that. So, to answer your question, Bioshock Infinite will always, hands down, remain the better experience. But I, you know, I still applaud Bioshock as a game, and I mean a game like with a controller with buttons. Well, Go on, well, James. Uh, the look at it this way: Bioshock Infinite will be the game that people write thesis papers about. But Bioshock is the the game that that started a change in in the industry. That's the way I look at it. In either case, who didn't finish either one of those games and immediately thought they needed to talk to somebody? Like immediately right after you beat either one of those games, you're like, I need to call someone. I need to talk to somebody about what I just did. Oh, I'm a loser. I I tweeted like all my vague feelings about it. But you know, <laughs> but you know what I meant. It's just it's like I need to get this out there. You know, he's like I need to like I need to let other people know what this is, how it is. I want to know what other people felt from it. I want to know I'm not alone in this. And it was uh, the either one is such a. Such an amazing time, but I no, I agree. Infinite's probably gonna be the one that's going to it's go, it, it, it's the gamer equivalent of the water cooler discussion. Like mm-hmm. every every single day, uh, like James, Andrew, and any of our friends got together during this past since its its launch. It's oh the the first question in conversation has been, "Have you beat Infinite yet? Did you beat it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every we didn't have to say the game name. It was just, did you beat it? Like we knew what you were talking about. 
It's like it's it's one of those things that like you, we 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 it was the who those who beat it want were shaking to talk about it. Those who hadn't <laughs> were like were just racked like what the fuck do you know that I don't that you need to talk about right now, asshole? Yeah, you know. And I'm glad, I'm glad people are keeping it. I'm glad people are kind of keeping it lock on lockdown too. Like they won't it's, say anything. Like the they, they they want they want people to experience and they don't want to ruin it and that's good for the it's most part. Most most people haven't really. Spilled um, the beats too much. The only the only part that was really spoiled online was here's a spoiler for Bioshock Infinite. X climb ladder. X climb ladder. X climb ladder. I'm like you're a dick. Uh, I can see that. It's one of those games that like has actually brought like respect in the gaming community. With like few games like you know gamers by in general just like are generally like really entitled and pissy and moany a lot, but. Mm. This is one of those games that actually got, like, each gamer respected each other. It's like, I'm not going to ruin this for you. I'm just telling you that it's awesome. I'm, I'm going to keep quiet about it. It's very yeah. strange. I haven't seen a whole lot of spoilers on the internet anywhere. No one uh, pissing I, and moaning about it. It's it's really weird. I can't yeah. understand I can't understand when people hate on the ending after, like, what it I, does. Oh, I saw one of those, and I, lo- I couldn't believe it. I was like, you, you didn't play Bioshock. You played something else. You played, you, you like, missed the point. Yeah, and that's why I think it is. It's one of those games that, like, if you're not, it's it's one of those games that almost dares you. Like, if you're not smart enough, you're not gonna get it. If you're just a gamer who's playing this because it's a shooter, <clears throat> you're not. It, it's not for you. You're not gonna get this. Like Andy. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite game is Bioshock Two. Where's that multiplayer? <laughs> give me my give my KDR. I, I will admit that. Like, Ebert multi- died. Finally, have I'll admit that multiplayer with this with Skylines would have been fun. Hmm. Sorry. The episode end? Sure. Sure. As soon as James talked about Ebert, like everyone got sad. Yeah. <laughs> Ebert's dead. Episode over. God damn it. <laughs> All right. So if you liked what you listened to and you want to hear more about it, uh, or more of it, I should say. You should subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Stitcher. Please. Review and rate us. You sound like those fucking machines. Stop yeah, it. I know. And, and that's, dude, that's the thing that Who pissed me off. Who wants to rate us on iTunes? That's the thing that pissed me off the most because the moment I heard the dollar bill, he's like, value. And I'm like, you, uh, just say yeah. circus. Just say circus, you fucking circus bastard. <laughs> Do it. I can sleep at night. It's got a, it's got a better tagline now. I, I what is it? I love a woman who appreciates value. value. <laughs> I love it. Until, I like saying and, that. Uh, Keep it with a theme. They could, they could have just gone with, like, I appreciate a white woman who appreciates value. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Racism. That'd be amazing. Oh, that would have been awesome. It just like, stops there. God, this is one of the fucking riskiest podcasts we've recorded yet. And, I, and, and you know, funny enough, I don't know if it's our fault yet. <laughs> I don't know yet. Um... Yeah, Jesus. Oh, but the armory vending machines are like, if you've got empty pockets, son, move along. Uh, that one is just kind of a dick. <laughs> um, I don't want to buy from you anyway. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's fucking fuck all the circus of values. But anyway, uh, oh God, I just, uh, that's every time I said it in my head, circus of value. Um, if you like what you listen to, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. You can also catch us on Stitcher and where we're playing there. And soon we'll be available on Last.fm. So if you like to scrabble podcasts like a weirdo, we'll be on there uh, on that boat soon. Uh, you can also go ahead and uh, be sure to 
friend us on Twitch as we'll be streaming plenty of games soon. Our next games club, I actually have new software now that I've uh, incurred. I'm, I've been editing videos as we speak and writing to where now we'll be able to pick apart and uh, talk about the videos of our playthroughs. So I'm, I'm going to really be stoked for whatever game we do next games club. I'm thinking, fuck it. We might as well do the next Bioshock. I mean, sorry, not the next Bioshock. Bioshock. <laughs> Uh, oh, like the next Bioshock? Like, okay, we'll see you guys in 2016. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but no, but I mean Bioshock. I'm, I'm kind of almost like, if we can really, like, we really want to do it with gamers with jobs because those motherfuckers have ties with Ken Levine. I would just, I would just love for Ken Levine just to sit in on that. No, he, he would just shout at me for not understanding. <laughs> Why don't you get this? You don't know. It, it, it would be like that. Why didn't you watch the YouTube videos just yelling at me? <laughs> Why didn't you watch the YouTube videos? Um, but, Give me that controller. But if you guys haven't checked it out yet, we covered a shit ton of indie games you guys can check out from our uh, PAX East and GDC coverage. Uh, we still have videos that are going to hit the site soon. Uh, James reviewed Bioshock Infinite as well, so if you want to see exactly what he critiqued it as, which if you haven't gotten enough of that in this episode, you can go read that. Um, I have very late reviews that I did. I just checked my mailbox for product review coming back. So Gears of War Judgment and Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate will be hitting the site soon, along with Guacamelee and a bunch of other reviews for April. We'll be keeping busy. And finally, I have quite possibly the biggest life through the pixel glass feature to ever hit the site to make up for lost time. So you guys are definitely going to love that one. If you haven't already, uh, register on our forums. We're going to make a uh, Facebook group soon and kind of get like some forum activity going because I would love to know what you guys would want us to stream next on Twitch. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitch. We're on there now. Uh, I, yeah, I have, a, I have a community request. Okay. Um, uh, me and Matt have been developing a new feature. It's, called, it's basically called What the Fuck Ever. If anyone wants to write an article that they feel like they want to post, just send it to me at james at presspauseradio.com and I'll take a look at it. If I like it enough, it might be on the site. There you go. I We've already talked about this. I completely forgot. And also, me and James are launching a new feature uh, as together and it's going to be a feature for the site. It's called Versus. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing Shenmue real soon because we know we love to butt some heads on some Shenmue. Uh, finally... Uh- I have on the way, I don't know if Andrew already picked it up, but uh, I have on the way Seekers of Adolin, so we're also going to be doing some Never Forget Sondoria. I, I got it downloaded, and I got to start playing. I got my Chocobo shirt, and I'm ready. Uh, I bought it for Xbox on Amazon for 30 bucks. I bought an Xbox, but guess what? I didn't realize if you linked a previous 11 account to your Xbox profile, you can't link another one. That's not my original 11. Account. Oh, uh, this is Fuck my you, Xbox. Account. This is I'm my original PC. 11 account. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm, easier. I'm, to I'm play playing it. on PC, so yeah, it, it, either it's, way it's easier. Fine. It's easier to play it on PC. You know what's Fuck funny is you don't have that problem with PS2 either, but it's the most beautiful on Xbox. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of like the fact that I can now revisit Vanadil in high def after all this time. I couldn't help myself. So anyway, all right. Um, anything else? I forgot. Oh, uh, fucking Sarah's finishing Bullet Heaven with PC Tension soon, so there's that. Um, check that out. He actually reviewed Choniki. That was weird. Uh, I know. I was like, oh, great. April Fool's, here we go. He's like, nope, we're doing it serious. I was like, really? Oh, all right. Yeah, it's, that's a cool. fucking change for pace. Cool, I'll take it's good. it. good. And, and he's got a lot of good stuff coming, I know, for sure. So 
Yeah, keep eyes peeled on that. And if you guys haven't read it yet, uh, Sean actually got to sit down with Kenza Marie, I believe, or Ken, I, I don't, the actual, she, he had to physically sit down with a woman who modified Zelda uh, to where you got to play a Zelda, saving Link. So that's a really cool interview. You guys should check that out. That's also on the site. Other than that, um, I think we've kind of done all the house cleaning, don't you think? Sure. Pretty much, yeah. There's a train behind me, so that's, that's, our, that's our cue to go. Yeah, we gotta fucking head on out. Until then, would you kindly fucking review us? Good night, folks. Bye, YouTube videos. There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms you often miss when you close your earthly story. Will you join them in their bliss? Will the circle be unbroken by and by, by and by? Is a better to the dying Savior. Now they dwell with Him above. Will the
will the circle be unbroken by and by? By and by is a better home awaiting in the sky, in the sky. One by one, there seats were emptied, and one by one, they went away. Now the family is parted. Will it be complete one day? Will the circle? Be unbroken by and by, by and by is a better home awaiting in the sky, in the sky. I'm never gonna look up those videos. I I I, I fucking I, I fucking banned them from YouTube. I banned them. I said I said don't ever show this shit to me ever again. Oh man, I really had no idea that it caused so much offense to uh, towards your, your being. I saw it like I like it's in my history now. Was it the it's man? Fucking... Was it the man himself? It was. It was. It was like that fucking the gray haired man. Ugh. It's like the way Fuck when him. I when I looked at him, I just thought, all right, this is what Miyagi would have been like if he went to college and survived. Like if Miyagi I, I go, did it, <laughs> I can't go to fucking University of Phoenix online and say, can I please get my degree in theoretical physicists? <laughs> well, I guess that's not a degree in theoretical physicists. It'd be theoretical physics, I guess. I can't there's get a degree a in that. More there's about a the class physicist. where you just learn about other people. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is smarter than you. Learn from him. I guess. God damn it. Uh, all right.